Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is, Jesus, I don't even know, the 9th of June, 2021, and it is time, bitches, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your washed hosting duo. I'm from CBS Sports. The gentleman on the other side of the screen, he is also washed, also from CBS Sports, and has gear from 1973 running this show today. But you know what? He's full of fresh ideas. It's my friend and yours. It's Brian Campbell. What's up, dude? <laughs> that would be 1917. Can we get a little look, core dog, at the at the uh, at the new gear here? Shout out to Web Scream for taking one of his impressive designs of uh, you know really an apropos picture of BC in the forefront of his favorite movie of all time, leading a two-man journey to combat sports talk show freedom. That's what's going on right there, brother. Okay, so thank you. A Web Scream original, uh, BC on the ones and twos. Luke, in the actual film, 1917, the, uh, the partner dies, spoiler alert, and there's one man that must carry them to the finish line. Uh, should your gallbladder give out at all during this show, that man will be me, okay? But Luke, I mean, what a freaking week weekend i mean pretty shitty fight i i don't expect to talk about that fight today or or those brothers at all rejoice no. rejoice the mma world i hear but uh luke you know we 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 uh we leveled up luke okay we did some shit okay we love we for sure leveled up i mean in so many different ways first of all let's just start the show this way bc besides introducing our stupid faces Thank you to everybody. Thank you to everybody out there last week. If you watched a video, if you subscribed, if you clicked thumbs up, if you shared it, if you just enjoyed it in any capacity at all, we are beyond grateful. It was a huge week for the brand. We kind of knew that it would be, but I don't know. I would say it even exceeded our expectations, to be candid with you. And so we're back home in our respective bomb shelters, not the bomb shelter, but um, we're just so grateful for everybody. And the good news is, BC, aside from our gratitude, uh, there's a shitload of real fights right around the corner, and we no longer have to talk about the pretend ones. I'm pretty excited about I mean, that. I mean, look, it's UFC 263 Fight Week. Douglas Lima's back in Bellator Friday night. Clarissa Shields in PFL Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, we got plenty of business to get to. But like you said, Luke, thank you to everybody who supported us this far, whether you were a big Mayweather Paul fan or not. Thank you to all our new subscribers as well. I mean, Axe J, we had one hell of a week collaborating with the likes of Matt Barnes, Brendan Schaub, uh, Chad Ochocinco. I mean, look, it was a it was it was a lot. It was a great time. But you know what? No rest for the wicked here. Okay, maybe we rested Monday, Luke. But we still gave you fresh content with Room Service Diaries, so check that out. But uh, we're back, and we're back with a bang. I am here to bang. We're here to bang. That's the motto of the show. All right, first things first, if you're new here or even if you're not, please give the video a thumbs up. If you are new, of course, hit that subscribe button. We are we are barreling down on 90K. Obviously, the first goal among many is 100, so we're we're not too far away. And any and everyone who has helped, and we've added a bunch in the last week. Um, welcome, but please keep spreading the word. You can follow us there on various socials if you want. Um, Friday, I think we're going to do dead wrong, so email the show. What do we get wrong? Morningcombat at gmail.com. That's going to be the place you want to send stuff. And of course, BC alluded to it. We're going to talk about it. Bellator is back on Showtime, not on pay-per-view, regular Showtime. So if you've not taken the plunge yet and you want to, 30-day free trial, just go to Showtime.com and it'll set you up. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go do something else. 
And as BC also indicated, there's still tons of great content. If you haven't taken a look at it, Room Service Diaries, a little bit late, but it came out yesterday. And so far, the responses have been pretty positive. So Yeah, and um, look, look, we hit you with a lot over the weekend. So if you're into Doc 3 and you haven't seen it, it's available. We got interviews with Gervonta Davis, Shakur Stevenson. We got a lot, a lot of stuff coming up down the pipe. You can see our new fresh graphics today. So shout out to the team for getting those together. We have no updates on merch, and don't freaking ask about it. I know. They're killing us. Don't ask about it. But I will tell you that, uh, you know, they're, they're, ref they're refurbishing our set. Luke, it, it, I mean, what a time to be part of it. Luke, Luke Rousey wins again. That's all I got to say, okay? R Rousey wins again. We, the, we are. We are. We are Rousey right here, okay? What, we what are Eskimo fight is What fight is that shirt from? Uh, I think it's the Betch Cohea one. Okay. Oh, all right. So she did win that one. Okay. She did right. win that That's one. Fine. Okay. All right. So hopefully Holly Holmes not coming around that corner or any Canadians, Luke. You know, because it was a great Canadian who once said, Luke, I mean, can you finish this? Can you complete my sentences? If you're going to come, right? Jizz on Brian's face? No, no, Luke. Come on. Come on. Come on, Luke. Okay. Come on. I'm just, I thought that was the, okay. Never mind. I didn't know. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we're going to come on. <laughs> what is it? What is this? A bathhouse? And we're going to wham reunion? I mean, RIP, Luke. Come on. You know? <laughs> Hey, don't you besmirch the lovely legacy of Wham. All right, man. Well, we got a lot of stuff to get to. And, and the good news is we've talked Mayweather Paul to death. I'm ready to turn the page. We actually have a fantastic. It, it, I'm surprised at what little buzz it's getting because it is very good. A really, really good UFC card on Saturday. So, BC, let's get back to some MMA. I know our audience is like, holla fucking luya. So, here we are. Let's do it now. <laughs> Top, topic number one, if we can. Let's do it. UFC 263 is this Saturday. It's got a lot of different parts to it. Israel Adesanya facing off Marvin Vittori. He'll be defending his UFC title. In this particular case, you've got Nate Diaz in the first ever non-title, non-main event. Uh, Five-round fight in UFC history. Demi and Maya's on this card. There's a bunch of different ways you can go. First things first, let's start with that main event, BC. As it pertains to it, Adesanya versus Vittori 2. What's the storyline there you're paying attention to? Look, look, I, you know, we could center on the rematch three years later, and, and that's a big storyline, and I want to get, maybe you'll get into that. I want to get into that as the week comes through. Here's what I actually think is the biggest storyline here. Um, Israel Adesanya's star power, Luke, before the Blahovich fight was in special rarefied air. He was unbeaten in three-plus years. He had run through uh, the UFC's middleweight division, making a debut and becoming champion in such quick order like we haven't seen before, where, look, he was arguably your pound-for-pound -pound king entering the Blahovich fight with Habib's retirement. And then you had him, Luke, not only as a betting favorite to win the 205 title, but we were legitimately talking about him maybe moving up to heavyweight in the next fight and fighting Stipe, who was then champion, or fighting John Jones in front of 80,000 at heavyweight. I mean, he was at a point, Luke, where you, you can't, I mean, in high, you can't argue it. Like, we were like, there's no ceiling for this guy. He's incredible. He got humbled just a bit, obviously. A fantastic performance from Blahovich. Now he comes back down to middleweight. So it, what's interesting here is he's facing a live dog in Marvin Vittori, a guy who kind of has a style somewhat similar to the advantages that Blahovich used to control Adesanya in a way that we hadn't seen before in the UFC, particularly on the ground. Yes, this is about the title and the rematch, and is Vittori peaking at the right time? Does he have the skills to come over the top? But how about Adesanya as a global potential superstar? Just what? 
few months ago, we were re really, we were like, this guy's on the way to becoming the GOAT. What happens if he loses two in a row here? This could be a spectacular turn. Things move quick in MMA, Luke. You know that better than anybody. You can lose so, so many ways to lose. There is a sneaky amount of pressure on Adesanya's shoulders that I feel like nobody is talking about heading into this weekend. Right, I think that's absolutely true, right? Because just before the Blahovich fight, you were saying to yourself, all of us were saying out loud, geez, man, if he wins that, we don't even know if he's going back to middleweight. Obviously, he had... Uh, Adesanya had not at that point indicated that he would or wouldn't and then after he lost he indicated that um, obviously 185 was his uh, c competition priority but still we were at a place where it was crossroads this is going to be the next guy to ascend to something special I still think he is capable of some pretty great heights I don't think we have seen the very very best of him just yet but to your point you go from that to now a scenario where if you lose two in a row, one, up a division, okay, but now you lost to a guy you previously beat. I mean, this is a rematch. This is a guy who's getting a second crack at Adesanya years after their first meeting. In some ways, that makes it uh, uh, brand new, but obviously by definition, it, it, it's not entirely. And you lose those, you're in a position now where you're no longer champion. Forget being in two weight classes. Uh, and the bigger part would be you don't really imagine BC could happen but you don't really imagine that if Vittori is going to win that the likeliest path is through striking it might be some that he gets some good work done but it's going to be that wrestling probably is what's going to get him his hand raised if in fact he does so if he loses two bouts in a row that's bad enough but if he lost them for more or less the same kind of reasons well now you've got a bigger problem because that meant he couldn't really adjust for it after the Blahovich loss other fighters are going to see this at this point. Obviously, Vittoria already saw what happened to Blahovich. If two guys in a row can make that kind of thing something where they can use it to get success, that speaks to some larger problems and some issues that wouldn't be able to, I'm not going to say he couldn't overcome them, BC, but they would be lingering ones. They would, this would be some really kind of potentially existential ones. This was not. We didn't think that he had no issues with takedown defense before BC, but if they were shown to be this vulnerable, you have to really wonder at that point, what more he could do to reclaim his status. Yeah, I mean, two in a row wouldn't derail him, but Luke, he's in that weird age spot where it's like 33, absolute peak of his physical and mental, you know, powers coming together, his primes. Yet when you lose two in a he's row, 31. suddenly you're... Th he's 31. Are you sure about that, Luke? Did I read that 30, wrong? In fairness, 32 in July, so close. Okay, then I'm off on that. Take that back. Somebody edited it out of the story I just filed. Uh, I'll take that L dead wrong in motion right now. Uh, either way, Luke, obviously it's the whole idea of did Blahovich provide a blueprint that no one's ever done before? But it's like it's not like no one's ever tried that. Derek Brunson tried that. Everyone sort of looks at him and says, well, I'll take him down. That will counter his striking. Whether it was the size advantage or just we're constantly overrating Blahovich's late career resurgence and ability to adjust, he just set a template on how to beat him. Vittori, in, the, in his own way, maybe could fill that. There's just some interesting pressure on the champ going back down to middleweight to defend his title that I think is a big part of this. Uh, loaded card, as you said, two title fights, Nate Diaz. I mean, there's a lot to get excited about, but I'm really focused on Adesanya's mannerisms, the interviews, all that stuff. He seems cocky. We saw the video. I don't know if you did, Luke. 30 seconds of them crossing paths in the hotel lobby, and Vittori said, give me my belt, and Adesanya said, get the F out of here, and, uh, you know, I I'm ready for this. I did you catch that little um, Michael Bisping narrated back and forth they had over the weekend, Luke? 
I, I did not see the back and forth. I saw the video that the UFC made them do where they were like split screen like us, and then they were shouting at each other. That's I did the see one, a little Luke. bit of that. That's the damn one I'm talking about. Okay, okay, okay. I thought you said they had met somewhere physically. I didn't know that. that I didn't see that. They had met in the in the lobby and, and had a 30-second interaction. That's all I'm talking about there. Okay. All right. all right, well, still, nevertheless, um, I think both guys are in pretty interesting um, – mental position in this one i have noticed that adesanya was quiet for a really long time after the blahovich loss and definitely appears to be getting some swag back but there's another there's another uh sort of way to look at this too bc which is okay he's back down to middleweight if he can reclaim not what was lost because he hasn't lost yet at middleweight but i'm saying some of that momentum or whatever in other words let's say he goes in there and does the opposite shines looks amazing vittori never had a chance kind of a scenario honestly at that point I would say, you know, is all the damage repaired at that point from the loss to Blahovich? No, not necessarily, but it would serve as a helpful reminder. Remember how high off the hog Adesanya was after that Costa win? Dude, he could do no wrong at that point. He went in there and just gave that guy the business. You go back down to middleweight and you do that, it's not just a reassertion of authority, of course. It's more about, okay, once you do something that is not only beneficial for your career in terms of wins and losses, that's one thing, but when you can have a display, when you can just peacock in that way, dude, all, that's when all the conversations begin to start about what, what about if, what about this, what about that. Getting back to a position where folks want to see that John Jones fight, getting back to a position where they want to see another crack at 205, it reopens the door to all kinds of imaginative possibilities. And frankly, that's kind of the... I don't know how to say it exactly, but that's kind of the thing that keeps us glued is not just what they do, but what we imagine could be there, and it tantalizes us. Getting that back going again, restarting that, I think is big for Adesanya here. Look, let me bring up a uh, Marvin Vittori-related storyline, get your two cents here. I mean, he made a leap here, a leap to the front of the line because Robert Whitaker, who is, I believe, more deserving based on the quality of his wins coming off of his own title loss to Adesanya, wasn't quite ready yet, so they're, they're, they're fast-subbing Vittori in. But this is not a guy who, you know, when he went through that streak of bad luck and inactivity and all that and the USADA thing that, that wasn't his fault in the end, that you would have tabbed at that point and saying, future star, ready to break out. He has escalated quick entering this fight. Tell me if I'm wrong to future star ready to break out. Here's why. He has two of the things that Dana covets more than anything else, Luke. Just a savage uh, fighting style mixed with demeanor. I mean, just a, I'm going to come in there, go full speed ahead, and try to devour you and rip you apart. And then he's also got, Luke, a representation of a country in Italy. I mean, by, by the way, he's only 27, so he's like right, you know, right ready to burst where they haven't done a lot of big business in terms of planting a flag in that country and saying, we've got a native star champion here. We can build the fan base out. And obviously that's a competitive sports market with soccer being in such full dominance there. This is a sneaky sort of potential star turn for Vittori. And what what really clinched it for me, and we talked about this before, but when Dana went public and said, oh, Lorenzo Fertitta is so high on this guy. They love him. They love this guy. I know Lorenzo's not like in the company anymore, so to speak, but he still holds a large influence. He's still the guy they go to at times to get you know, deals negotiated as a middleman. That just sort of shows me that, uh, you know, white guy from Italy with good with crazy tattoos and he looks like Sloth from the Goonies who likes to devour flesh. Yeah, they, I mean, Luke, if he gets the win here, you never would have guessed, even what, six months ago, that he could be a potential star on the rise. Am I overblowing the actual star potential here, Luke? 
No. I mean, in 2019, he was beating Andrew Sanchez and Cesar Ferreira via decision. You know, we, we knew he was a good fighter. We just didn't know he was tapped for something a little bit more than just that, which is good. And then his best win, I would argue, would not be his last one, the Kevin Holland one, which was workmanlike, but effective. It was the Jack Hermanson one where he had to kind of dig deep and it was a little bit back and forth and Hermanson's a tough customer. And he, it was a real demonstration of like being what a hard-nosed fighter can get you. But to your point, internationally, Italy's been tantalizing for a lot of folks. You've had some really good kickboxing there. I know Bellator tried to make some inroads there for a time. They were hosting kickboxing, like the Bellator kickboxing brand, which I don't even know if it still exists anymore. But they were hosting shows there with Giorgio Petrosian. They were they were really trying to make something of it, and I just don't know if it ever crossed over. But you would imagine if you can get someone who's a developed combat sports star who can be a UFC champion, it just changes the equation so quickly. It makes opening a market much easier than even if you had a bunch of Vittori's who were, let's say you had five of them, all non-champions, all basically at that level. That's something. But, you know, you got to have a star, man. you got to have somebody who people can, who, who they, again, they can imagine great heights for which they can reach. Conor McGregor was doing the un- impossible. And that is that what galvanized uh, Ireland, right? Something like that. And obviously Brazil has, has had an overwhelming amount of these kinds of figures. But for Italy to have a UFC champion in 2021, what it would do for the market, I mean, I hesitate to make a direct claim about what it would do, but it would be only, only good for them in a market that has seemingly been, you know, uh, strangely distant. Um, and, and Europe in many ways has always been that way. Germany is still kind of the same thing too, biggest economy there. So yeah, man, it would do. It would pay, pay major dividends. Um, what about some other portions of this card, BC? So that's your main event. Surprisingly, for a fight that was so fun with an outcome so unusual, a five-round title fight ending in a draw that was back and forth, what do you make of Figueredo Moreno running it back relatively soon? Yeah, it, it's, you know, turning around so quickly as hurt, let's say, like, I don't know, hurt, but, like, look, you're only going to get so much attention on this fight given the small weight class and the personalities, but I don't say that as a negative. No, we're not talking about this a lot from the specific storylines beyond Damn, in December, that was a great fight. That would have been fight of the year almost any year if it wasn't for Whaley and Joanna. But I think this is overall just kind of continuing the, the the arc and narrative that keeping flyweight around, it's a really, really good idea. It's like it's not DJ's fault that nobody cared. Cejudo may have been that celebrity bridge who kept it alive. But you know what we have now, Luke? We have killers that are going after it. I don't think they're all-time great world beaters. I see a lot of parody there. I see the potential for the belt to slide around a bit, even though Figueredo has obviously used 2020 to set himself apart. 3-0-1, three finishes, wins the title, kind of becomes this, you know, overnight sensation badass. But what you saw in that fight in December is that Brandon Moreno's not that far away from him. If it wasn't for that point deduction, Luke, for the low, for the low blow from Figueredo in round three, I mean, he edges that fight. Either way, Moreno would not stop coming. And I think it's a great representation of what this division really is. And I think from the beginning was supposed to be these pocket rockets. But back then it was more about movement. It was more about watch DJ and, and Joseph Benavidez, man. They're so quick. It's crazy. They're flying all over. Now it's more about just watch these two little guys get in there and savagely trade. You got this rematch, which is badass and, and is going to be a great fight. You got probably Askar Askarov on deck you got that group right behind them of uh you know pantoja and in cara france and and um roy val and i mean these guys are all somewhat interchangeable but not in a bad way from the standpoint 
they're all pretty even and they bring it. So it's never going to really make giant headlines. The personalities involved are fun, but they're not. Put them on a poster, guys. But this is a hell of a co-main event entering this weekend. And it really adds a lot of punch to the idea that this is a this card feels big. It's a loaded card, and I'm super pumped about it. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, again, I don't. I, I tend to think that there's a movement online among sophisticated, or at least ones that, that view themselves as sophisticated MMA fans, that if you don't like flyweight, something's wrong with you. And certainly, I do like flyweight. I want to be very clear about that. But I often said, if the UFC added a 165 division and had to get rid of another one, which one do you axe? On the men's side, this is not a complicated debate. You would obviously axe 125, but they didn't make it. 125 is still around. And to your point, that last fight they had was phenomenal. And I also like your point, too. Like, There's a little bit of parody here, man. Like, I don't really know who the guy is there. Right now, it's Devison Figueredo, but Moreno's got a very good chance of taking that from him, which, by the way, we should say that'd be phenomenal for the Mexican market, which we also don't want to lose sight of. So there's plenty of like good to like about it. Um, I also think it's worth saying DJ was very, very dominant, and I would I would be very, very hesitant to criticize any of his performances beyond you know the sort of low hanging fruit. But what I would say is like, part of the reason why flyweight is uh, I think a little bit more accepted now, or some, there's not as much controversy about its existence, is for a lot of reasons. One of which is I think the division got a lot better. DJ was ahead of his time. No doubt about it. I'm not saying DJ was, he'd get smoked now. I don't, I, I mean, maybe some of these guys might be, and we just saw him lose. But what I mean to say is, there's a lot of guys at 125 now who've got great finishing submissions. There's a lot of guys at 125 now who, frankly, have big power. Dude, it wasn't necessarily always that way. There was a lot of dudes ranked in the top 10 who were good fighters, phenomenal cardio. They could do everything. But uh, there was a time there where they just could not affect change on the fight or the other guy. It was a lot of sort of over time, a little bit of neutrality or just not a huge difference between them. There may not be a huge difference between them in terms of where they can get, but there is a lot that they can do now that I did not necessarily see maybe, you know, seven years ago, something like that. So, so credit to the division for um, just growing with the rest of MMA because they're, they're, they are a hot commodity uh, in terms of what plus, you can add to a card to bring a little spice and liveliness to it. And plus, entering this rematch, I love the sort of roles that they play. You know, Figueredo's the, the cocky, badass finisher who can always just barely make way and you're like you know hanging on a thread and he went out there and set a stupid pace against Moreno and he probably thought he was going to finish him and then Moreno fought you know way over his head and he's more of the long-suffering aggressive guy that's going to be there all night what they both showed in that performance outside of just making fireworks was just unbelievable ability to bounce back and linger and show heart and recover and find you know second life um, I don't know what this rematch is going to look like in that regard. You know, will it will it will it be more explosive and end earlier? Will will uh, the champion adjust his strategy? Will it just be balls to the walls until somebody runs out of gas and gets stopped? I mean, this could be really, really good stuff. And I think the the odds are super close. Uh, you know, two to one favorite for Figueredo, but you know, plus one eighty I think was the last time I saw for for Moreno. So uh, this is anyone's fight, and this is a you know. This is a great look. Is this the best representative of the division in a long time? And again, that's not to hate on DJ, but when you're dominant for a long time and yet people don't love you, that dominance can become a negative. And they didn't love him, Luke, for better or worse. They didn't love him. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that fight should be a lot of fun one way or the other, as long as it lasts anyway, we should say that. And then the other fight on this card that's really making some waves is, again, as indicated, it's the first non-title, non-main event five-round fight in UFC history. Leon Edwards, who had this weird return against Bilal Muhammad that lasted as long as the eye poke would let it. I think that's what eye poke was. And then now you got Nate Diaz. Now, I've talked to Diaz's uh, people, and their thinking on this is as follows, BC. I wonder what you make of it, because I have my own thoughts about it, but I'd love to hear yours, which is they know that if you looked... Let me, let me read you the top five ranked at 170 pounds, okay? I'll include Kamaru, so we'll say the top six. Kamaru, Colby, Gilbert, Leon sitting at number three. Thompson at four, Vicente Luque at five. Now, you can make a case about Luque now, but when they made that fight, Luque was not sitting in the top five. So if you just count the top four there and then the champion, right? So Thompson, Edwards, Burns, Covington, and Usman. If you were to make a Nate Diaz fight that you thought he could win, or I should say, who in that top five does Nate Diaz have the best chance against? You might think he loses all yeah. of them, but we're talking about who has the best. The answer is Leon Edwards. I still think Leon Edwards is going to win, but that's the logic here. The logic is we want to make a bold grab for the top five. The best case scenario is going to be that guy. And they booked it, I think. They didn't tell me this. But they booked it for five reasons because inside of three, a guy as complete and, frankly, careful as Leon Edwards that's not enough time to get him. But maybe over time in that fourth and fifth round when Nate Diaz sometimes comes alive, maybe that's your window. What do you make of the Diaz's team logic here? It's interesting, Luke. I, you know, I wrote in a, in a storylines piece for CBS Sports uh, today that's similar to this segment we're doing right now where it's like, this is the least buzz I felt for a Nate Diaz fight in a while. And it's kind of like an accessory on this card. I know originally it was going to be the co-main event a couple pay-per-views ago, but Diaz had that, that little injury and they pushed it out. But it's almost like this accessory now. And it is sort of a, a huge risk-reward proposition for Diaz from this regard. This is probably his best and you could argue only chance at 36. And with all his inactivity and the difficulty of him sitting down with UFC and finding a proper opponent in price. And, you know, even Dana White himself on the, on with our, our buddies down under at the Submission Radio uh, podcast said, you know, this fight only happened because Nate came to us and said, I want Leon. So, I mean, he's really putting everything on the line from this standpoint. This probably is last and only chance maybe to get a title shot here at welterweight and, and parachute into that picture. Dana has gone above and beyond to say Colby is next. He loves the Colby-Usman fight more than anything. We just did a kind of, not gimme, but celebrity-forced Masvidal rematch for Usman. But I still wonder, Luke, if Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards on an eight-fight win streak, the same Leon Edwards who is like a seven- or eight-to-one betting favorite right now over Diaz, you know, maybe, maybe he gets Usman, not next, maybe two fights from now, and he can just sit pretty knowing he still has those potential lottery tickets down the road of the trilogy with McGregor and the rematch with Masvidal, which he wants badly but couldn't get. But, look, I just don't feel like anyone's really buzzing about this, maybe because of the spot on the card. Maybe you could tell me I'm wrong and I've just been spending too much time in Logan Paulville, but um, it's a huge risk. Yes, there's potential for huge reward, but is this his last chance, Nate Diaz, Outside of, again, being a B-side in one of those celebrity rematch pay-per-view type bouts, which I hope he gets the chance for both, this seems like his last chance at going legitimate. Is that, is that a correct statement? I think at 170 it is. 
for sure. He's been kind of playing around this whole time, right? Sometimes taking lightweight fights at welterweight, meaning two guys who just are basically lightweights, but we're just not going to cut weight. But in terms of like, okay, I want to beat guys who are, they could not make 155 of their life dependent on it. True welterweights. So you want to compete against the very best true welterweights. I think in a case like that, this is his last chance there. 36 years old, as you indicated. He turned 36 in April. I mean, you're closer to 40 than you are 30 now. Granted, the Diaz's, they've taken a lot of abuse over the years because they've been in the game so long. But recently, as we know, they don't compete a whole lot. I don't know how their sparring goes. They tend to stay in pretty good shape. They're not heavy. Well, I, I guess Nate's not a heavy drinker. I don't know what the situation is with Nick. But in any case... So, you know, you still imagine he's reasonably fresh to do something at 155 if the opportunity presented itself. But one of the things that, like, I mean, understand, he did that with Pettis, right? So he lost to McGregor, took a ton of time off, selected the right opponent at Pettis, won that. What did that get him? It got him the BMF fight. That's what it got him. Now, he lost that one, but you can see the logic. Make a, make a calculated gamble. If it goes your way, it sets up something else big. Your point here is, well, what if you set up this calculated gamble and this time it doesn't work? Where do you go? I think he has nothing left at that point except 155 or maybe, maybe, maybe they'll do the BMF rematch. But, dude, if you go in there and you get audited by Leon Edwards and Matt will have that devastating KO, people don't just stop caring. But would they? Would there be an impetus to make a BMF rematch in that case? I mean, like well, I'm that's saying, what I'm wondering. you could that's... do it, but would, are people clamoring for it? I don't think they are. Let me ask you, in that same vein, I said this is a huge risk-reward potential. Huge reward, potentially. Really. I mean, really. You, you could end up it seeing is. him against Usman. Usman wants this type of celebrity opponent. Uh, what is the risk? If he gets in a boring fight and he gets sort of outworked and he loses the decision and he's not the same guy, he's 36, I mean, does that hurt his chances to get those lottery ticket fights that I'm talking about? Will he lose his potential leverage money-wise could yes. we never see him again, given how mercurial he can be, Luke? I'm just going to go to my grave forever wondering what if, after the two McGregor fights made Nate Diaz a household name and a pay-per-view brand, he sat out three freaking years. What the hell could those three years have been, not only for him linking his name to giant fights and making huge money, but maybe having a run at 55 or 70 for the title and getting into a title fight. It's just so weird how his career went. I wonder if this loss could really be more damaging than we think. Am I just trying to spin up webs to fill a Wednesday show, Luke? Or are you feeling what I'm putting out there? Again, it obviously depends on the complexion of the loss and the way in which you're indicating. But let's talk about that. Let's say it's like, the, I thought the BMF fight, I mean, I know he was lost on a cut that Diaz had not been stopped in the kind of way that we traditionally mean via, you know, sort of punishment and strikes and consciousness. Um, but, you know, he was getting his ass kicked in that fight, like from pillar to post. That was a Masvidal win, you know, in every kind of way. If it's something like that, or even something kind of less than that, you just have to ask yourself, one, what would the law say about his abilities? We, we know he's not necessarily the best, but he can sort of have his moments. Um, two, he would have lost three of his last four, which again, is not necessarily for the Diaz is the most important consideration, but this is the one I'm thinking about. You indicated it at the beginning of your answer, which or the beginning of your, your statement, which was, you're not feeling a ton of buzz. It's still Wednesday. Let's see what happens by the time we get to Saturday. But let's say you're losing, and then the crowd is kind of losing interest, right? You haven't developed this kind of, uh, you you haven't maintained this kind of aura as a fighter, not merely of significance, but of winning significance, the kind that they can really get behind. Then the UFC will double down on that. They'll be like, "Listen, man, you're not the popular figure that you once were. You, you're losing, blah blah blah." Here, 
I, I, I want to be very careful. There's still another fight with McGregor hanging out there, I think, even if he looks bad. Because if McGregor goes and loses, then it actually kind of does make sense to put those two together, at least in some kind of way. So he's not done with big fights, even if he loses badly here. But A, I think he'll be done at 170 in any kind of real capacity, for sure. And two, dude, being closer to 40 than you are 30, he would have a... Your, your options at that point would be very constrained, even including the McGregor fight at that point, which I don't think the rematch, or I guess the trilogy in this case, would be even as big as the uh, the first or the second one. It, 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 would, it would not have any of those. The point being is, if you want to stay at the at their truly relevant end of MMA, right? If you want to stay at the part where people are very excited, pins and needles, and you want to do it against the bigger names on the bigger cards... You can't get washed here. You got to really turn in something that people can remember. And ideally, you want to do that with getting your hand raised. A very tall yeah. order against a guy like Leon Edwards. Oh, I want to stay it one more time, BC. That is a very, very, very thoughtful, tall, careful fighter. I mean, just at the surface, nobody really looks good against Leon Edwards, right? Nobody really gets a huge opportunity. I mean, like, he's not a big, buzzy guy. I mean, it's just, it's a, again, there's a lot of risk, big reward, but. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we're going to be the ones who are surprised, mother effers, at the end of it, Luke. Okay, you know that's why we tune in, right? Very quickly, any other fight on that card uh, interest you? Um, let me let me scan back. Well, yeah, look. So here's the deal. I got this weird feeling that Damian Maya is going to pull an upset over Bilal Muhammad. I just got this right. weird feeling that he's got one left in him, Luke. I don't think that's crazy. I think Bilal Muhammad deserves to be taken seriously, but Damian Maya is a fucking animal. Like I don't think that's crazy at all. Plus, they're going to open the card at light heavyweight with Paul Craig taking on uh, Jamal Hill, which is just either Jamal Hill's going to get subbed from guard <laughs> or Paul yeah. Craig's going to get his lights punched out. It's one, it's one of the two. Um, um, and also, Luke, the Jose prelim Ruben, main Luke. event is fire. Fire, Luke. Okay? Oh, Drew Dober and Brad Riddell is such a good fight. A great fight. And, you know, um, interesting uh, women's flyweight title contention type about with Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood. Uh, not everybody cares about that, Luke. I could care. I could care a little. All right. Fair enough. Um, Chase Hooper's that's back. That, okay. There's, there's some good that, shit on there. We'll do, uh, we'll do some breakdowns of the fights themselves on Friday's show. Let's move to topic number two, BC, which is tomorrow. PFL returns. I forget the name of this card. I think I have it up here somewhere. Yeah, it's PFL 2021 number four regular season is how Tapology calls it, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, Clarissa Shields, the uh, woman who attempts, it wants to be the greatest women's boxer of all time, takes on Brittany Elkin, who has, to her credit, BC, nine pro MMA fights. Now, her record is three and six. This will be a 155-pound belt. What? I'm not going to ask what are the expectations because we kind of know what they are. I'm going to ask it slightly differently. How should an educated MMA fan view Clarissa Shields here? What is a proper yeah. context of expectation given the circumstances? I mean, that that's the cool part about the anticipation for this, at least for me. Maybe I'm because I'm a boxing guy, but... You know, I don't know what to expect. Now, she's fighting somebody who's three and six, and Clarissa is a pretty decent betting favorite, Luke, for that for that consideration. William Hill has her at minus 303, Elkin plus 230. Now, that's close-ish, 
But we haven't seen shit from Clarissa Shields, right? We've only seen the footage of her at Jackson Wink, although to her credit, working with top-notch people. She's called Holly Holm her secret weapon and all that. It seems as if, Luke, she's got a right opponent, meaning somebody who's got some MMA legitimacy but hasn't had a ton of success. Went in there against Kayla Harrison last year, got subbed in the first round. This is going to show us whether this is an experiment, whether this is more akin to the Paul brothers, although that's disrespectful because Clarissa's, you know, a, a, a proven dominant athlete in her own craft who's looking to double down on the whole quote thing, the greatest woman of all time of any combat sport. So I admire Clarissa Shields' um, motivation here, her daring to be great element. This is a main event on ESPN. I mean, this is pressure here. And I really like how this kind of snuck in the calendar. PFL's on a nice little run. You and I were as critical of the PFL last year as anyone possibly could have been. Yet they came out for this regular season, and they've been doing good shit, seriously. They've been stacking the cards in a way with at least interesting names or ex-faded names that you care about or whatever, and they've delivered. This is a main event that I'm very curious about. I have no idea what the expectations could be of what she can do on the ground, and clearly that's going to be the X factor for somebody who's so dominant with the hands. Not a big knockout puncher as a boxer. Some of that is the two-minute right. uh, rounds in women's boxing. But she's quick, sharp. I and mean, when she went in there, meaning Clarissa, against Christina Hammer in that middleweight title undisputed fight was really the only fight of her career where you're like, you know, this is going to show us how great she is. I mean, she was light years better than Christina Hammer. So, you know, hands-wise, she's incredible. How is she going to adjust to the clinch, the takedown, all of that stuff? Her confidence is through the roof. Her trash talking at the press conference this week was was really good stuff. She even called out our guy Brett Okamoto in their interview for mispronouncing her name like three times, Luke. It's Clarissa, okay? Put some respect on that name. She's polarizing she's because she's... had her in studio. Oh, yeah. She's polarizing because she's so cocky, but Luke, I love it. I love the spirit that she brings to this, kind of like the intro to our morning combat in a way. Um, I don't know what to expect, Luke. It's either going to go, you know, really good or really bad, but don't expect her, even with a win, to be like entering the tournament and fighting Kayla Harrison next year. I mean, it's going to be a long process, but I don't hate PFL for creating an attraction, Luke, okay? Separate from title contention, and separate from maybe going all the way to the level of celebrity boxing that pissed off a lot of people this weekend, there is an in-between, right? This doesn't seem like CM Punk to me as much as it seems like a proven undefeated champion who can only make a certain amount of money and get a certain amount of attention in her sport is trying to double down on that and go somewhere else while she's still young and can do adapt. Let's give her the chance to show it. She could do a lot worse than training with John Jones and everyone else down there at Jackson Wink. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to like belabor the CM Punk comparisons, but like... You know, I don't know a whole lot about his pro wrestling background, but dude, Clarissa Shields is like a real athlete. We're talking about Olympic gold medalist, a woman who is, uh, you know, undefeated in boxing, who, to your point, not a knockout puncher in any kind of way that, you know, um, you can hang your hat on. But this is MMA with the smaller gloves. Who kind of knows? You know, if she was just a nobody that no one knew and she was fighting on the regional scene, this fight would not actually take place. You wouldn't put someone 0-0 against 3-6 and because... Even if someone is three and six, that nine fight difference, they're just going to know a couple of different spaces and moments and, 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 and uh, they'll have a certain understanding of the game that even someone as accomplished as Clarissa is in boxing, just on the learning curve for MMA, just won't. And so he would be closer to someone like 0-0 versus 0-1 or 0-0 versus 0-2 or you know something like that. So I actually do think this is actually a pretty tough fight given the circumstances, or at least I should say, you know, 
they're they're making this fight the right way. Let's get someone who's beatable for someone who has no MMA experience, but in a way that is a little bit tougher than it ordinarily would be if the circumstances were somewhat different. So I actually take my hat off to Clarissa Shields because everyone's like, oh, she's fighting someone three and six. Dude, that's not as easy as it looks, man. It really is not. These guys who are three and six, that's nine, nine times they've made that walk. You got to have a little bit of respect for that. So I take my hat off to her, but you pointed out something about her not being a knockout puncher. I went back and I watched a lot of her fights when this was all announced, and I really wonder what she's going to do because I wonder what the I wonder what the gloves are going to do for her. I wonder what the range management with Holly Holm is going to do for her. I'll say this for PFL, man. Here's the interesting part. The, the, the idea of a Shields versus Harrison fight, I really think people just got to let that shit go because Shields is going to have to show something... I don't think that any athlete really has to make that fight in any kind of time frame. Like they want to make that in the next year. It wouldn't work two years. Maybe even that seems the the best case scenario at her going really far, really quick is that her, like what you teach that her power is so much more in MMA because let's face it, even decently high level MMA female fighters, because the sport is still so young and growing don't have the, the the experience, the technique, the power. Now you got four ounce gloves on. Her power may may loom much larger in MMA because she punches so pinpoint and accurate, and it's the harder, smaller gloves. But she's going to have to be almost next level in her ability to chase people down and get them out of there for us to even talk about her within a year making like serious leaps into like a tournament or chasing a title. I mean, it it would have to be like Rousian. It would have to be like. Oh, God, we know she has no skills on the ground, but it doesn't matter. She's knocking people out left and right. right. I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. But to your point on the matchmaking of a three and six, the camp, the managers, the promotion, they must have seen enough so far to know that they can put her in a main event and that she's been able to adapt and adjust pretty damn quick, still in her absolute physical prime, a great athlete, really. I mean, her time, it's, you know speed timing she's the full package in that regard um and, it's gonna be fun BC, to see you know this too you know this too from covering her career like i said i've had her in studio and i say this as a compliment when the male fighters do it i'll say it as a compliment when the female fighters do it she has a big mouth you know and she is not afraid to talk she is not afraid to say how she thinks she's she understands how to do promotion so here's the thing if you're pfl are you going to get down the line a shields versus harrison fight i guess there's a possibility but it seems quite remote to me what you might get is not even really a 155 women's division because that's not really true either. But you just might get another bankable fucking star. Kayla Harrison can have her own lane and she can do what you want for the brand there. And here you'll have another person who, if she can really become something, and again, she's made the walk a million times. She understands her body. She's with a great camp that's already transitioned boxers into this space before on the women's side, right? So if, if she can become her own star, can you imagine that? You have an African-American star who can kick ass in MMA. You already know what she can do in boxing. She's good at media. She's young. It doesn't matter if she can fight Harrison anytime soon. That's enough to elevate the brand. It's a smart play, man. And if she, yeah. if she, if she fizzles out, she fizzles out. I'll give her credit too, man. She's not doing some bullshit exhibition. This is a real pro contest. This goes yeah. on her record and disaster could strike. She is risking that. I, I, I like I like the, the, the fucking gumption of someone like Cla- Clarissa Shields. It's awesome. And all she's shown us so far, the combination of her personality and what we've seen in the ring mixed with her backstory. I mean, she kind of comes from nothing and has been through some some dark shit in her personal life to get here. 
She's a, she's got a dog in her, Luke. I say that with full, you know, uh, compliment. She's got a dog in here. Could she get out techniqued and submitted and just be a fish out of water? Maybe, but she's gonna fight. <laughs> she's gonna fight through it so that you know that coming in, right? This isn't some kind of glamour uh, sort of vanity move where you're like, okay, when times get tough, she's just gonna tap out. Like you have to believe she's coming for it, and I think that's a big part of the, uh, you know, what makes this exciting. All right, so let's move on to topic number three. BC loved all of these comments. So Dana White did, oh, I don't know if a media tour, but you know, uh, there's a pay-per-view this weekend. So he did the media rounds and he spoke to a bunch of different outlets. He spoke to TSN on a couple of issues. But let's start with UFC Arabia, I guess an in-house um, uh, uh, you know, media affiliate. He was asked about Nick Diaz. And here's what he said, BC. I'll read the comment here, or the, the quote rather, from Dana White, UFC president. Quote, I wasn't very high on that, Dana White told UFC Arabia about Diaz making his return to the UFC. Quote, I did not think that it would happen, but it looks like it will. It looks like Nick Diaz will fight this year. Who's he going to fight, BC, and are you excited? All right. Um, I'm excited one more time, meaning show me, Nick Diaz, that from all this time away and some of the, the washedness that you've shown in this meantime, whether that's alcohol-induced or not, in terms of interviews and public appearances, show me that this is something for real, right? Because I don't want to see Wash Nick Diaz in there, like, getting beat up, right? We, we don't want to see that, right? We want to see cocky Nick Diaz come back on his own terms. And so you got to be smart with the matchmaking, but I wonder after Dana met with, with Nick in, at Jacksonville and really talked about the future and seems positive coming out of that, if they've got the same worry. So if, the, if there's a little bit of worry, Luke, do you put him in there against somebody really tough, or do you put him in there in a smaller level thing just to get him back? I think, again, with how mercurial these guys are, you got to go big. I mean, is there anything bigger for for Nick Diaz, save for McGregor, who's tied up, than Masvidal to get revenge for his brother? If you're UFC, Luke, do you just go all in on Nick Diaz, not knowing if he's going to be good, if he'll ever fight again, if he can still fight at this level, all that stuff? and just go Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal for the damn BMF to avenge Nate's cut loss and just cash that thing out. I'm kind of for that, Luke, for both guys. I don't know who the right opponent is. I just know this. People are like, oh, will the UFC slow play it? Will they, you know, whatever. When has the UFC slow played anything <laughs> with a fighter's development? I mean, a little bit, right? There, there are some guys they've nurtured, like Conor McGregor, you know, getting the Dennis Seaver fight to set things up while he worked on his takedown defense and his overall game. Okay, you've seen John it. John Jones that, Matyshenko, that damn janitor. I mean, I don't know how much development that was. John just ran through him, and I have some stories about John's training camp for that one that if you knew what he did and how well he performed, you'd be shocked. But um, I'll, I'll say this. I don't – do Nick Diaz, again, like his brother, closer to 40 than he is 30 at this point, much closer. I think they're just going to say, let's just see where you're at, man, and if there's anything there, we'll, you know, we'll go forward, and if not, then we won't. I don't think they're going to try and, like, nurture this thing back to something healthier, which is kind of interesting, BC, because we've been saying on this show for a long time, you know, Dana White was like, I don't want to do a fight with Nick, and Nate's this, that, and the other, and I'm always like, dude, if you don't want to do business with him – then just let him go because here's the truth. You know this as well as I do. For better or for worse, if Nick Diaz was in Bellator, they would absolutely slow roll him back. There yeah. is no yeah. doubt in my mind they would give him somebody he would crush and fans would love it, you know, and there would be critics too. They would say, oh, they're giving him cans. Yeah, maybe they would be. You win some, you lose some with, with how you can approach Nick, Nick Diaz in that way. But 
I don't, I don't see, and again, UFC's approach has merit in certain cases where slow rolling them doesn't, right? We go back to the MVP criticism, but I, I will say at this point, if he was a young guy, they might, but he's not. He's much, 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 much older. They're, they're just going to throw him to the wolves, I think, and then just see, you know, you want to swim or whatever the metaphor is at this point. You know, you want to handle your, your, your business in the space. Let's see if you can do it, and that's the end of it. That's the most, look, Masvidal's the most they can get out of him right now for money, in my opinion. They're not putting him in there against Diego Sanchez and putting it out as the opening bout of a fight night card. I mean, they're just not doing that, Luke. He demands a big price tag. There's a fan favorite level. You got to swing big. So give him that one. Biggie, give him that one more chance, right? Uh, Yeah, I guess. All right, some other quotes here from Dana. By the way, everyone was talking about him saying that health benefits were going to be there for long-term health benefits for fighters. And it turns out that Dana White did not say that they were coming soon on Instagram. Yeah, can he we throw to that to video, Luke? Person. So can yeah. we throw to that so, 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 uh, so someone Dana, writes, will the UFC ever offer their fighters full-time health benefits so they can have uh, them after their careers are over and possibly deal with life-altering issues from fighting? Dana White wrote, soon. It turns out that he was trying to respond to somebody else, not him. Manich, throw to that video here. This is ridiculous. No? Do we have the video? Buddy? The one with the, the girl. The one, the, the one, you know, the one, guy. All right, they're, they're going to set it up here. Uh, but you can hear the comments for yourself, which is kind of funny. Although, you know, candidly, I don't really, it doesn't really, I, I, it doesn't bother me as much as other people actually. Uh, but let's see what you got. All right, go ahead. And, uh, you had mentioned, I think it was a Q and a that you did with Karen Bryan, that somebody had asked you about long-term health benefits for fighters and you responded saying soon. Uh, is that something that you've recently kind of been working on? Do you, do you kind of have any uh, update or information on that? Yeah, um, <laughs> that that wasn't a Q and A. That was that was on on Instagram, right? And yeah. I actually I responded to the wrong guy when I said soon. <laughs> that, was, that was wrong. Actually, I responded. I actually noticed that later that I had said soon, but it was on the wrong post. I wasn't talking <laughs> to that guy. It was somebody else. Okay, got you, got you. Uh, tough, tough, <laughs> tough break there for the fighters, Luke. That looked like a potential good story. In fact, our producer Mikey on Friday was like, "Man, maybe we should throw this in MK today." Dana just basically greenlit, you know, the the future, right? Not unions, but like fighter benefits and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, I was actually talking to the wrong guy. You know what I mean? I was, I was really, I was actually talking about uh, whether UFC will add more uh, ring girls. Yeah, soon. Yeah, soon we'll add some more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, great. That's, that's great. Good luck. Uh, I mean, here's Good luck the, here, let me just say one thing about this BC because I've kind of thought about it. Like what, what if that was a real plan? Like what if they had actually designed some kind of plan to give them long-term health benefits? I was actually thinking about like what the, what the implications would be because if you're an observer, fan or media, it doesn't really matter. You wouldn't look at that and say that's bad. How, how could you? Because more protection, more coverage. Of course, you would want that, right? I mean, that that, that that's the thing we've all been asking for. And I think, uh, depending on the details, that would be a great thing. And I still believe that it would just be interesting for the fighters in that case. Because here's the funny part about it: if you want to play like three-dimensional chess, BC. Let's say they did that. I think that would probably be the nail in the coffin on fighter unions I, I i mean maybe that's a bold statement and not right but if you're the ufc and you can mimic as the promotion as many things as possible that a union would do you may not do it quite like the union would do it maybe if you had the union to be a little bit nicer be a little bit more comprehensive you get a little bit of a nicer taste of things but you got pretty close with the promotion version of it 
You don't have to do any legwork. No one has to fall on their sword. You don't have to testify before Congress. There's no voting for a union. And now you get something like this. I honestly think that would handicap union efforts substantially if they were able to do something like that. What do you make of that? And I do agree with that. I do. And I always feel like, you know, in the whole John Jones and Ganu, you know, public negotiation, you know, we always say, look, the answer's in the middle, right? The answer's always going to be in the middle of give and take. And I don't want to, you know, we laugh at this because it's funny, right? But I don't want to laugh at, like, like the UFC is making some strides, Luke. I mean, they create the Performance Institute. You can go there for the full training camp and get the nutrition and the, I mean, like, they're, they're doing things to help offset some of the more dangerous or, or, you know, not all fighters not having the same access to things and all that. But, you know, you do have to keep going in that direction. So hopefully we get here that soon looked like a real positive turn. I mean, Bjorn Rebney's not walking through that door with GSP anytime soon, to your point. So can we have a even in-house UFC Fighters Association headed by like Forrest Griffin or something? I mean, we're getting closer to something, Luke, but apparently not soon. Not soon. Uh, he also told Brian, uh, Aaron Bronstetter of TSN, friend of the show, and one-time MMA or, uh, MK host, about John Jones, talking about John Jones and having conversations in, uh, with, with Hunter Campbell, and now he's got Richard Schaefer as his man, or, uh, uh, advisor. And he says, quote, Dana White does, I'll leave that up to them, White said about the status of the John Jones negotiations. Quote, where we're at is John Jones came out and said he doesn't want to fight until next year anyway. So it doesn't make a difference, meaning how the meeting with Schaefer went. Reactions? Um, you know, I've seen all, all positive stuff for Dana talking about um, about Richard Schaefer. In fact, on with the Submission Radio guys as well. So I'm just going to hope for, for good things here, Luke. I, I don't think it's awful for John to continue to take his time not only rebuilding his body for heavyweight, but really rebuilding this relationship, using Richard now as his mouthpiece, because you and I have both sort of heard that the end run of John with his management team, um, what was that, first round management? Uh, you know, it, it was mostly John speaking for himself, and really, let's be honest, kind of doing a poor job of it publicly. Now, some of the public stuff brought to light the 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 less savory parts of the negotiation that I think maybe benefited John, I think it also stunted his growth in getting the price that he wanted. So I think for everybody involved, cooler heads will prevail. We already know Nganu's sort of immediate future. I mean, maybe you will end up seeing an Nganu Stipe trilogy before you ever see John. But John's not coming back until they figure this thing out. So um, I'm okay pausing a bit here, Luke. Figure the shit out. When he comes back, I want it to be big. I want it to be for the title. I want it to be at the damn football stadium. So let's get closer to that because where we are now, it's it's going nowhere but like a courtroom or something, Luke. You know? I have to say, I do admire this about Dana, and I mean this sincerely. His uh, like, he plays these fighters when they play themselves. Like, let me give you an example. You know, maybe John is being serious about taking the year off. That's possible. But how many times have you seen fighters like declare, "I'm not going to do something." I'm not going to do X. I'm not going to do Y. And they say it as an act of defiance. Dana White always looks at it like, oh, oh, you don't want to do that. Right. So that I'm going to use that and I'm going to spin it slightly to make it a point that you're not ready to contribute to the train leaving the station. But the train is going to leave the station. You're going to get on board or you're not. Your defiance is merely your lack of interest in participation. And so this is the participation train. It's, it's a really interesting way in which he can invert these claims that the people try to make out of strength, and he turns them into weakness. It's kind of interesting that he has that ability. Could you see now, you John 
becoming an odd freedom fighter. Let's say John's negotiations with the UFC moving forward get worse. Let's just say that, okay? What if he is the guy who's like, screw it. I'm already the GOAT. I don't need to go to heavyweight. What I need to do is be, I've had a rough reputation. I've had the USADA stuff. I've had the Albuquerque intersection stuff. I've had a lot of shit, right? I've been through some shit. Put the UFC through some shit. But they, they uh, you know, they broke my heart publicly in this. So now I'm going to break theirs. Now I'm going to bring change. Now I'm going to court. Now I'm bringing a reunion or, 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 or a, a union, not a reunion. We'll get a reunion with Bjorn. That's what we'll get. Now I got a union, Luke. Could you, I mean, what an incredible sort of, you know, reversal of character and, and historical figure if John somehow became that guy who put his career on the line to make change for everyone else. Give me a likelihood that that happens on a 1 to 100 percentage, Luke. 1. Less than that. 0. All right. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, no. He's just not that guy. Which is fine. Okay. A lot, G- GSP ain't that guy either, apparently. So, you know, we have a high uh, opinion of him, but he ain't that guy. All right. Now, we have this piece from Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa has been... This whole time we've been covering Mayweather Paul... Paulo Costa, and you brought this to my attention. I didn't even see it when we were in Miami. He's been tweeting up and, and Instagramming a storm about how the UFC had announced fights without telling him he was involved. I don't know if that's true. I can say this. Do I know for a fact that UFC has announced stuff before guys have fully committed? Yes, I know that, that they have done that. I've been talking about that since the MMA beat days. That does happen. Um, so I don't know what the truth is about whether he's making that up or whether that's real. But he's been going back and forth. Now, it says here we've got a bunch of his tweets and then Dana's response to Aaron Bronson. Do we, well, we see some well, of... don't, don't miss the foundational point, is that he's out of the Jared Cannonier fight. That's right. And, and Gastelum, Gastelum who's become a company man in a lot of regards, takes those last-minute opportunities, is in. Before you go any further, though, Luke, if that's true, is that some shady shit or what? I mean, seriously, to before a guy's signed on the line to announce that the fight is on so that you put the pressure on said fighter to actually announce on the line, and if they don't... If you haven't come to terms and suddenly it's them pulling out because they don't want it. Look, I got issues if that's the way practices are regularly done behind the scenes. Seriously. That, yeah. that's Again, bullshit. I don't know. I, I want to be clear about this. I don't know what the UFC side of the story is, nor do I know what their motivations may be one way or the other. And until we get that, we probably should be careful. I can just say, do I know? Do I know that uh, the UFC has at times announced fights before they were fully signed? Yes. Yes, I do. And at times when they've had you know disputes with the fighter involved in that case but did they do it because they thought there was agreement was there misunderstanding i mean i don't we have to be kind of careful about what the ufc's perspective on this is without them hearing it i just know that that gap let's announce before signed has happened yes um so let's see some of these tweets that we've got here from paulo costa if you can throw those up here on the screen manich i'd appreciate that oh he's got no tweets okay well do we have aaron do we have dana's response to aaron bronstetter Let's just let's just play it. Let's just play it. They're gonna fire that up here. BC, the new graphics, I can't see your sign. Yeah, it says underwater Lopez. Okay, you got it. There now the go. second middleweight I want to ask you about is Paulo Costa. He recently oh posted God. this on Twitter after it was announced that Kelvin Gaslam would be taking his place in an upcoming fight against Jared Cannonier. He wrote UFC needs to pay me as a main fighter to have me fighting in main events. YouTubers are showing all disgrace to the business. Just to be clear, I, I have never signed or locked up that contract. Why the UFC announced this fight uh, that I didn't sign, that's my question. Uh, how do you respond to, to that quote? Yeah, um, I don't know if, I, I, I don't think that's true. I think he did sign. 
because we extended him. We extended his contract for turning down the fight. But listen, don't fight. We, 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 I have to offer you three fights a year. This is, this is my, this is my situation with all these guys. I offer you three fights a year. He doesn't have to fight. No problem. Don't fight. Yeah. Guess what? You should have started a YouTube channel when you were 13 years old and built your name up and everything else. And you could have had the fight on Saturday night, but you didn't, you're not a YouTuber. You're a fighter. And this is what you do for a living or you don't, it's up to you. And you're in no position to be talking about crazy money after your last performance. Okay. So you either want to fight or you don't want to fight. No problem. You don't want to fight. You can hang out and do whatever you want. When you're ready, you let me know. Well, that was going to be my next question. You know, you, you've seen everything in this business, but does it ever surprise you that people come at you from this uh, perspective when they're not really in a position of leverage, as you mentioned? I mean, he's coming off of a loss. He hasn't fought in some time. It's not even a position of leverage. Listen, if that you signed a contract, you're under, you're under contract, that's the way you feel. Let me tell you what. You, you know what I say all the time. We, we have fights every weekend. And if you want to be busy, um, you know, you can, you can fight every weekend if you want to. Get out of your contract and go do whatever you want to do. Go fight. You can go fight YouTubers. You can, uh, you can do whatever you want. Well, when you say get out of your contract, would you let him out of his contract if that's what he wanted to do? Well, well, sure, he can fight his way out of his contract. Little, one more, one more. Well, one more, one more go, one more go. Okay. I'm so fight it out, I understand. Contracts just because they want, you know, they're mad that a YouTube kid is fighting and making money. You should be happy for the kid. Good for him. Kid put himself in a position to where he, okay. he was able to fight Floyd Mayweather and make a, make, make a bunch of money. You're mad? Okay. All right, I yeah. got a couple. All right, BC, your reaction, your reaction. All right, one I will say, I'll say a positive for Dana here, and it was why you were a little reticent for me to shit on him before we got some of the facts. Is that Costa doesn't have a lot of legs to stand on right now? Not only the the crappy performance against Adesanya, but you know the detailed uh, excuses afterwards and the drunk and all. I mean, like, I mean, it's it. You don't have a lot of leg to stand on right now. Uh, but come on, bro. The whole, if you don't like it, just go. Uh, go fight YouTubers. Uh, didn't GSP try that? Did GSP, who's not even, who's a retired fighter, is not even trying to fight MMA anymore because you wouldn't give him the Habib fight? Isn't he trying to box Oscar and you won't let him? So it's really not that. So no, fight out of your contract? That's not easy either, Luke. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they're constantly extending the contracts in like every situation to give themselves more control, which is why it goal goes back to the need for some type of representation for the fighters because that part seems a little unfair even with Costa not having a full stance right now. You know, I, I really like to know the truth here, by the way, about Dude, the, did they announce whole, it before it was there? Really, I, yeah, did. I would like this, to know. This, this whole thing, this like Costa fights, has a really bad performance, you know, which he did. I mean, let's just call it what it was. He laid an egg against Adesanya. And then, you know, had this excuse fest that was just insane. And now he's bitter at the promotion. And the promotion's like, look, here's the way the world works. You can participate in this world or you cannot. Doesn't make a fucking difference to me. It's like the UFC fighter struggle in a little bit, like, in, like compact into one situation. It's like representative of everything where all these guys, they, they like, they're so about the brand and then shit goes wrong for whatever reason, and then they get woke about it, right? And they want to do something, but they want to do something <laughs> when A, they don't know what to do about it except to like get on social media about it. 
and none of that really pushes the change that they want to see. I will say this, though, in defense of Paulo Costa, and you, you recognize the contracts are insanely onerous beyond that. You know, listen, Dana White's right. Like, dude, this is, you know, I mean, to come out and be like, I deserve more at a time when, you know, this is like maybe your career low at some point. Maybe that's that's a little strong, but it's a bit of a low point anyway. And, uh, you know, not the right time. The only problem is, even when it is the right time, <laughs> a lot of them don't get paid. So I agree that, like, yes, this is a very bad time to try and plead your case about your value at the same time, even when they have an ironclad one, there are constant issues as well. So I'll just say that in defense. But yeah, uh, I mean, listen. Is, is it as, am I misunderstanding how it works when you get it, when you feel like you're underpaid? They're like, well, go out there and get a big win. So somebody goes out there and gets a big win. And then when they go back to the negotiation table to increase that low pay to at least a respectable level, they have to add more fights on the end of their deal. That's how it, that's how this, this, I don't want to call it a scam, but that's how this game kind of works. Right, Luke? Moral, and if you're a champion, there can be other provisions added to it as well. Yes, there's no. So you're, you're really this. There's just no, constantly. There's no sunset clause on the deal. It doesn't go for a life of two years and then it's over. There are multiple mechanisms by which it can be extended. So we have to. There, this is where change is needed. So we're not at these potential impasse points where John is now, where Polo Costa could be where you have nowhere else to go because you got six, seven fights on your deal, which, you you know, he says you can fight every weekend. it take a long-ass time to fight out six, uh, five, six fights of your deal. I mean, you know, it's you're not going to be the same fighter at that's, the that's, end of that. That's two years. That's two years, even if you're active and injury-free. Two years. And you're not going to be the same guy at that. I mean, it's, it's yep. I don't know. It's it's rough. It's But that's the game. The game is the game until the game changes, Luke. Omar's still in control, Okay. Now, we don't need to see this part. I'll just read it because he kind of alluded to it here with the Paul brothers. I, I kind of have a Dana White attitude at this point on the Paul brothers as well. I know I've been the world's biggest dick, but even I've come around a bit, a little bit on them. Uh, and here's what he said to, uh, I forget who he said it to, but he says, quote, um, Dana White and the Paul brothers, there's no doubt when you look at both of those kids, they take it seriously. They both really do train hard and, you know, they're not just showing up for a paycheck. We've seen a lot of these YouTube guys show up and, they, you know, they give a half-ass camp and they're kind of halfway in shape. They get flatlined and then they bounce. Listen, I'm not I'm not gonna be a Jake Paul or Logan Paul fan, and um, you know this just their, their shit's not for me. But I will say this: I will say this, man. I have a begrudging amount of respect for what they've built as a business. They've completely taken over combat sports. Whether you like that fact or you hate that fact, it is simply true. And uh, I I'll say this, and this has always been true, but I'll say it even now: I don't begrudge them their money, dude. You go eight rounds with Floyd, and yeah, he got his ass kicked in terms of like boxing. But, like, I don't begrudge him that $20 million. It could be $100 million, It wouldn't even bother me. And whatever Jake's going to get paid in August to fight Tyron, he's worth every penny. You know, I, I don't have any problem with it. So, it's not for me. Based it on, never will be for me. But I, I, have a, I have a little bit of respect for what they're able to do. All right. Based on Dana's comments right there about the Pauls, which is more positive than he's really ever done, anyone out there who can't take the Pauls ever again, go to the bathroom for 30 seconds. i got to ask Luke a question. Luke, do you feel – do you agree with me that Logan – that the Paul brothers' combined momentum was actually – stalled a bit by that fight not being exciting even though logan kind of got a you know a moral victory and being more difficult than floyd thought because it wasn't super exciting it stalled that must-see potential where now there's pressure on jake to kind of do something really big against woodley or this bubble could burst am i is that crazy i'll say this to the extent that the bubble will burst and it will 
events like or, or the fights like what Logan had against Floyd will contribute to the bubble burst. If you're going to engineer setups to get better outcomes, you better get better outcomes. And you didn't. You got a fairly ordinary, if frankly boring, outcome. Um, I still think even if Jake goes in there and has you know an amazing performance, just folks got to understand like this won't last forever. At some point, you're like, oh, what's crazy? What can we expect? I don't understand. At some point, it will no longer be crazy. At some point, it will be somewhat ordinary. You'll you'll have kind of seen that movie before. So I, I do think that like a boring event in the way in which Logan had one doesn't help his interests. But you can't be like, oh, that's bad, that's bad, bubble pops. It doesn't exactly work that way. It has to be kind of a cumulative in many different directions over time where the public just gets fatigued, not just with the Paul brothers, but with this kind of idea of craziness generally. Well, the proof will be in the pudding of the pay-per-view numbers. I wonder, though, if, if, if Jake knocks out Woodley, whether Dana goes, you know what? If he wants to go on a Randy Orton Legends killing tour of old MMA guys, I want to get my cut in this. You want to fight Nate next, Jake? Okay. And then we build to the end game of Jake Connor in a boxing match with UFC Zufa as co-promoter. Look, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, okay? I'm just telling you. All right, last but certainly not least here. Oh, actually, we got a couple of these. Let's fire through these if we can. But the biggest uh, um, uh, uh, event we've not talked about yet, Bellator 260 is on Friday. We are not going to be there for it, unfortunately. But it is a lot going on there, BC. Let's start with that main event. You know what's funny? It's Douglas Lima taking on Yaroslav Amoslav, who is Amoslav, excuse me, who is twenty-five and zero, an undefeated record. And he's got some good names on it too. You know, you talked about Israel Adesanya reaching for greatness at two hundred five, falling short, and he's got you know kind of a a tough return back there. Now that's a rematch he has against Vittori. Lima's in somewhat similar circumstances. Recall his last fight; he tried to go and beat Gegard Mousasi and become the two hundred five champ. Uh, and it didn't really work if I, no, sorry, went up to 185, excuse me, and it didn't really work, and now he's back at 170. He's back at 170, folks. If you do not know who Yaroslav Amosov is, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this guy is a hammer. In fact, I think he's likely to beat Douglas Lima, frankly. I think you might have a new Bellator champion on Friday night. BC, am I overstating Amosov's case? Am I overstating some of the comparisons to Adesanya's situation? No, I, I think this is the statement that sums it up. Uh, for Yaroslav Amoslav to win the Bellator title against the great Douglas Lima, timing is everything, and this is the best timing to do it, right? You know, Lima, we were rightfully saying, you know, he might be the best welterweight in the world, you know, one fight ago before moving up and fighting uh, Gegard. And the loss to Gegard doesn't certainly, like, kill that equation, but just like Adesanya, like you said, it takes away the buzz. It takes away the fuel in that statement. You and I talked to Lima when the Showtime thing got announced, and he's just, like, hungry to get back right away and get a win and prove himself. Amoslav is just such a tough style matchup and just a tough dude. I mean, look, very few people go this deep unbeaten in MMA history, and he's fought really good competition of late. Unbeaten Logan Storley, Ed Ruth, who he silenced. I mean, he's had a nice little run here where this could be up. This is, you know... If Lima's still Lima, he'll win it. But either way, it's going to be a hard-ass fight. And Luke, you know, I'll say this. We have a connection of sorts to Bellator, but we're, we're straight up going to tell you, you know, the truth on things. It's a pretty fun card. That's the truth. This is a pretty sneaky, fun yeah. card. You got Aaron Pico coming back on here. That Coleman with Paul Daly and, and, and uh, what, Jason Jackson. I mean, that thing's going to bang, Luke. And that has, in its own right, welterweight title potential here in sort of Daly's last stand. 
I don't love every Bellator card the same level, and I tell you that. This one's got some good ones in here, and this main event, obviously, with the uh, with the uprising here from Yaroslav, who looks to be the real deal. This is going to be a tough-ass test. I'm excited. Certainly so. Amosov is one of these guys. He's out of ATT now, as I mentioned, undefeated, beating Ed Ruth, beating Logan Storley. That story, if you've not seen that Logan Storley fight, I mean, that is an incredible contest. So actually why, even though Storley lost, I've been so high on him. But Amosov is the guy right now. And I was actually freaking out when they ranked, I think, MVP ahead of him. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? This guy's resume is way better than MVP's. Maybe not his highlight reel, but his resume is better. And there's a difference Look, between them. Look, he's 25 them. and 0. He's 25 yeah. and 0. He beat Gerald Harris, Eric Silva, Caveman Rickles, Ed Ruth, Mark Leminger, and Logan Storley under the Bellator flag. That's a nice little run there since joining. And him. honestly, only the Storley fight was kind of close. Only that one was kind of close. Amosov has been the better of all those guys pretty easily. And you can look at a guy like Douglas Lima. Now, he has improved rapidly since he fought Ben Askren. But if you've never seen the Bellator Ben Askren versus Douglas Lima fight, Askren just takes him down at will and then just sort of stays on top. And Lima doesn't really I mean Lima's got a guard that he's kind of using but he never really puts Ben Askren in any kind of trouble granted long time ago I understand but Amosov's got a modern updated game he is good everywhere he is especially good in wrestling scrambles he's got decent submissions he is very technical in escapes and creating scrambles I mean I'm telling you this guy even if Lima wins it will probably be by the skin of his teeth do not sleep on Yaroslav Amosov he is a very 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 live dog here and if you think we're overblowing it, look at William Hill's odds for this. Lima, the champion, minus 149. Amosov, plus 120, Luke. That's 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 tight. That, that's, that's tight. That's, that's junior prom tight, Luke. That's that's good stuff right that's, there. That's hey. pink pants at the Versace Mansion type, BC. Wow. <laughs> Luke, the pink panther over here. Luke, we uh, we did buzz really past, uh, quickly over the, the rest of that PFL card, which we won't get another chance to talk about it because it's Thursday night. Um, do you feel like um, Anthony Pettis has a has a shit ton to prove here? Uh, coming off, off of that lost, he's off the card. Breaking news: whoa, whoa, He's what off happened? the card. Yeah, he got ill. I don't know what happened. He's off. Oh wow, he was in there against Alex Martinez, who's unbeaten, Luke, and and uh, was fresh off a of victory in his PFL debut. Interesting. Okay, well that hurt that hurts it a little bit, Luke. Okay, there I go. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, good thing you interrupted me for it. Um, all right, well, I want to get to some of the stuff in the show here. We've gone interminably long, so let's do this very quickly. BC, why don't you set this up? So we know that Deontay Wilder is going to fight Tyson Fury. It'll be July 24th or whatever the fuck it is at this point. Um, but they've got a place and I think a date set for Joshua versus uh, Alexander Usyk, who was the previous cruiserweight king. It's going to be at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. If you guys don't know, that's um, one of the big teams in the Premier League. They're the rivals of Arsenal. Uh, what do you make of this, BC? What's the, what, what's the details that the folks should know here? I love this. I love this shit. I was the one who telling you that Fury Joshua falling apart, not ideal, right? That's boxing. Not ideal at all. But if we get consolation prizes rushed out there that have meaning, Fury Wilder 3 in Vegas in July, and now this one, I think September 25th was the date that Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports tweeted out today. But Luke, major stadium where you know Joshua fills it, comes out with the flame gun and all. I mean, like he's the rock. I mean, this is star potential. But this is a potential trap fight. Everyone's told me I'm crazy about saying that from day one because I've been an Usyk guy. I've watched him come up through the cruiserweight race. Heck, I called his fight against Tony Bellew on zone when he knocked him out. I mean, Usyk has had... A slow transition to heavyweight because of the injury, the soft first fight against the late replacement. But then he went in there against Derek Chisora, and that was a tough fight. 
I think he showed me that he can hang in this division. He's never going to be a puncher. He's not. But he's from the Lomachenko Ukrainian camp, from Papachenko. He's got footwork and angles that heavyweights just don't have in this super heavyweight era. And he's six foot three, Luke. And he's a Swiss Army knife who, on the right night, this is a live dog against Anthony Joshua. This style-wise is an incredible fight. And Usyk's a mandatory, so this is being kind of forced in in the aftermath of Joshua Fury falling apart. Luke, I love this shit. I love this fight, and I love that it's happening now before either one sort of, you know, take an L or, or whatever. Like, we, there's things we need to learn about these two right now. They're going to do it in front of a massive crowd as we finally return to big stadium shows where AJ belongs. Just another um, bonus on this spring, summer, and now fall combat calendar, Luke, that because of the quarantine, you know, being lifted in most places, we're seeing big business bang, bang, bang after another. Look, you can't hate this. And even though I one time went up to Eddie Hearn about a year and a half ago and said, bro, Usyk's going to beat Joshua. I just want to prepare you for that, okay? It's going to happen. He looked me in the eye and said, we're not worried. He's too small. Sometimes it's not about size, Luke. You know what I'm saying? You learned that a lot in your college days. Maybe even in your marriage. But uh, this is a good-ass fight. I'm really excited. I mean, I mean well, we can't fun on Monday or Wednesdays, Luke. I mean, it's hump day, you know? Uh, yes. I, 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 listen, I don't think Usyk's debut at heavyweight was quite the magic that some folks had expected, although he got the job done. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen against Anthony Joshua, but I'll tell you of, of the guys at that level, the sort of the, the, the fun top heavyweights, the three big would be Wilder Fury and Joshua, obviously. And you got some peripheral characters like, you know, Ruiz and whoever, Joshua, to me, seems the most... This is going to sound kind of crazy because obviously what he did against Klitschko, but fragile isn't the right word. That's not what I mean. But somebody... I'll say this. If anybody is going to fuck up the chances of making a Joshua and Fury fight, it's Usyk. I don't really think it's Wilder. I mean, could be wrong. I don't think it's Wilder. I think it's going to be Usyk if, if, if someone's going to do that. He's... Very technical. He probably is tougher and better than he showed um, in his last fight. Certainly, we know that he was from his cruiserweight days. Very technical. Um, Joshua has his hands full, I think. Fearless southpaw. Now, look, can Usyk take Joshua's power consistently? No. Nobody can. This just in, okay? Nobody can. But... There are some questions about who Joshua is coming out of the two-fight series against Ruiz, and this is the type of style that could give him trouble. He's going to have trouble, Luke, either against a super giant puncher like Wilder, who it's not going to matter whether Wilder's winning or losing, he could land big, or he's potentially going to have trouble against a guy who can make him miss and play chess with him. It Just look, it's going to be one of those fun fights just to see if the smaller, smarter guy can avoid the big one all night. And steal the title. Could it happen in the guy's backyard in the stadium? Oh, you got to you got to ask yourself that if it can. But uh, Usyk's fearless, Luke. This is this is this is not bad. This is not some European guy just walking in, right? This ain't Sultan Ibragimov against Vladimir Klitschko. This is a real fight here that with a guy who has a chance to really f up every everyone's plans at heavyweights. He's the yeah. real deal. And he's also freaking hilarious. If you're not in on Alexander Usyk's personality, his Instagram game, who this guy is. I mean, he's a he's a character, Luke. He's a he's a clown. He he's basically Ukrainian BC. If you want to get technical with me, okay. He eats feces. 
Oh, come on, come on. He's, you know, he's, yeah, he's an original Luke, okay? All right, uh, I eat right, pieces right, of right, shit right. like you for breakfast, Luke, right. okay? Right, pieces you know? of shit for breakfast? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shooter McGavin. All right, so last but not least, BC's over the moon for this story. We'll make it very quick. We actually put it not as topic six, but as topic 5.5. Alistair Overeem has signed a multi-fight deal with Glory. His UFC days are over. He has said as an MMA fight, only Fedor really interests him at this point. Uh, we all know he was the K1 uh, champion, so he had the K1 belt, the Dream belt, and the Strike Force belt all at once. He's the only fighter to ever hold a major kickboxing and uh, MMA belt simultaneously, which is pretty impressive. Um, they can make the fight with Batterhari again. You could do the. I mean, there's lots of fights you can do, special to the Netherlands, if you wanted to do them and make them big. Makes a lot of sense, BC. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, look, this is a good story because if Overeem, who still got something left, right, in, in his early 40s, he could have gone to name it. One, Bellator, PFL, whatever. And it would have been whatever. I mean, would I have gotten jazz old guy style for him and Fedor under the Bellator banner? Sure. And, and who knows? Maybe that's still possible. But this is a very interesting use of what he has left. I think it's great for the Glory brand. Shout out to Todd Grisham, the voice of Glory. But, I, you know, you can make some, the type of fights, Luke, that, I don't think Glory always gets the attention it could, even when they've got big fights. Him in a trilogy with Bader Hart, I mean, that matters, Luke. There's, that, that's fun. There's history. That, that, you know, there's a few of those you can make here. I'm into it. I, I'm certainly into it, Luke. I, you know, we, we would talk about it on this show. Wouldn't you get a little jazzed? Nah. Nah. The Glory All ones right. I'm kind of well, jazzed about. But, like, him versus Fedor, like, nah. Nah, I'm over that shit. Okay. They had a chance, bro. They had a window, and Bigfoot Silva ruined everything. What can you say? Yeah, they had, Floyd and Logan had a window if they went for it. Look, they didn't go for it. They danced, okay? They 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 they, they played touch butt in Miami. You know what are you going to do? They they danced. They they danced for a lot of money, okay? They danced. All right, BC, your turn, good sir. What you got for us? All right, it, it's normally a Wednesday staple, but we keep canceling these Wednesday shows, and uh, I got to give you, you mean, what you want. I got too much shit piling up. So here's what we do. Uh, it's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the in-between in combat sports and beyond. It's your weekly recap of shit. Have you seen it? I'm about to see it. Oh, God. All right, UFC Vegas over the weekend, Luke. How about welterweight Santiago Ponzinibbio and your former boner crush Miguel Baeza mm. brawling into the bell at the apex, Luke? Did you see this little piece of business? Hit it, Manich. Oh yeah. Oof. Oh, yeah, Luke. This was Luke. This was fun. This is good shit, Luke. Bro, I'll say it, man. Just the you know the best thing MMA ever did was get you know, Latin Americans involved in it, just rock-ribbed fight fans, rock-ribbed fight communities. You know, you get them from all different types, obviously, but that's an important component, and uh, these two were going after it. Baeza, a little bit overmatched, it turned out in the end. You know, good good yeah. win by Ponzinibbio after his, his debut, I will not want to say his debut, but his return. That went disastrously. But I still think Baeza is capable of some, of some great things. Yeah, this was, this was a big win for Santiago to kind of get quasi top 10 again and kind of, you know, remind us who he was. Luke, we now go to regional MMA where you know anything can happen, Luke. It was a quiet weekend elsewhere. Check out this Telegraph spinny shit gone right. Oh, my God, Luke. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That was you walking into Floyd's, like, who I didn't fight? Who I didn't fight? Yeah. <laughs> 
So just so people know here, can we can we do can we do something here, Luke, real quick? What? Can you pause this video, uh, Manich? Okay, okay. Can you put the camera on your your front? Your here we go. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of boxing people who I guess didn't know you know that I covered boxing oh. and they've been. I heard I heard this speech. Me. I heard this speech in the car. Go ahead. And just like you know, oh, BC, you're such an idiot. Floyd beat everybody. Oh, he he handled you one on one. Blah blah blah. I referenced the old narrative. The old narrative of that Floyd was too controlling in his matchmaking, too handpicked, too special in terms of waiting guys out or picking the right weight. Guys, all that stuff is still true. I didn't think it was the time, though, to argue and, and, and open it up and go deep. I was referencing it. I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm giving him his flowers. I'm saying, Floyd, we used to write bad things about your legacy and matchmaking because you were too selective. But look at everything you've done to close out your career. I, I don't, you know, your your resume is getting better by the day. When he wanted to dig that up, I didn't think it benefited me, that show at that moment, to go fight by fight and say, you know, yeah, you did fight Mosley, but you waited a year and a half after he beat Margarito when he was already 38, and you didn't fight him at lightweight. You know, I, I mean, there, there was other things I could have dug into. That wasn't the time. That was the time to sort of, you know, Talk about Logan Paul and give Floyd, you know, a, a pump up for coming back one more time. Could I have gone rounds with him there? Uh, yeah, hell yeah. But that would have really made it, Luke, that Brian Kenny Sports Center battle like 2.0. And it would have made it all about me. Was I trying to bring out the teeth a little and show the fighter and get him off the scripted, we're going to have a great time and we're going to make money? Yes, I didn't want an infomercial in our Versace robes there, Luke. It turned out great. It got a lot of hits. We got to see the real Floyd come out. But for anybody sitting here like, oh, my God, you walked in and the champion KO'd you. Yeah, it was kind of like episode four with uh, with Obi-Wan. You know, I, I, I put the sword down and said, go for it, bro. This wasn't this wasn't my time, Luke. OK, so it's yeah, like, and you know, also it's like, dude, me? we were sitting there in fucking Versace robes. What would you want? You want to meet the press like like we're, we're yeah. there like two buffoons. It is what it is. You know, I, was there a little bit of bait put out? Yes. And he took the bait. But that, it wasn't the time or place to go fight by fight on the resume. He's 50-0. and 0, He beat the game, okay? I give him that respect, and that was the point of me sort of saying, like, we were wrong then to a degree, but it's not like, uh, you know, there ain't some shit there. Okay, thank you. The bait worked perfectly. Thank you, Manich. Let's keep it going here. Uh, regional MMA, Luke, check out this. You got to be careful, man. People can come in from the crowd. People can come back to life after a submission. This ain't MMA, it's grappling. This is more of your shit. But check out the finish here, Luke, in this Pulp Fiction-looking MF or ref. This is some kind of worm lapel guard? Oh, it's almost, um, you know what it's like? It's almost like the Kanto Strangle. I'm not yeah, sure what this is called. Here, Luke. But watch the watch the resurrection here, Luke. Respawn. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Royale with cheese, Luke. That guy's takedown defense not good. Not good at all, Luke. Yeah. Okay. Well, he just let him open his lapel and take it. He didn't fight the grips on that at all. That's a little odd. No. no. You know what? This uh, this this tournament right here can use marijuana and Alex Wendling. That's what it could use, Luke. Okay. Let's keep it going here. Um, what? Regional M Regional MMA takes us to a a fist touch KO here, Luke. Is that is that is that fair, Luke? Is that legal? Hey, listen, hey, listen. He touched gloves. Put your hands out. Bah. 
uh, Mayweather Ortiz all over again. Protect yourself at all times. Hey, Luke, we had a hell of an MMA reunion over the weekend. I know you saw about this in, at Jason Perillo's gym. It was Rockhold Bisping 3, Luke. Was it this, this give you the feels inside? This is how me and BC greet each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to say, you know, you know what? And, and all jokes aside, do you know who this speaks the best of? It, it, uh, all of them, but it speaks mostly the best of Luke Rockhold. You know, for him to let go a little bit of whatever issues he had and to, and to you know, work with these guys. By the way, Luke Rockhold's got a sick ground game. He's about to pass this guard, too. Um, you know, I, I actually feel like for the first time in a while, I, I've seen some growth out of Luke Rockhold as an athlete that I think he needed. And we'll see if it bears the kind of fruit that we think it might, but actually it did not pass there at all. But you get the idea. Um, yeah, I, I, I like seeing it. I like seeing it. You know, instead of um, Bisping selling his soul in Beijing to Kelvin Gastelum in the UFC like four days after he lost the title to GSP, I could have used a trilogy between these two, Luke. You? <sighs> you know, listen, one of them needs to open up a YouTube channel. I guess I guess Bisping has Believe You Me and just do the YouTube thing. Just make it an exhibition, right. bro. Hey, Luke, Scorpion King tryouts hit the uh, tour to something this week, and uh, apparently this guy's to blame for it, Luke. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. God, just here. Let me just throw this uh, phallic-looking object out into the road. Wow, Luke. Jesus, that was, I mean, hot ass over tea kettle, bro. How about the guy yeah, behind yeah, him that's... who missed him? Yeah. Okay. Wah, excuse wah. me while I kiss the ground, you know? But speaking of kissing, Luke, excuse me while these two enemies go back in the day and kiss once more. I'd never seen this video. You into this mouth-on-mouth -mouth stuff, Luke? Tito and Dana. Oh, God. Yeah, punishment indeed. Doesn't that look like Trump on the left? Punishment Films. What do you think Punishment Films has published before? Uh, adult Films, Luke. Yeah, probably. The kind that you watch after a long day on the road that involved yep. violence and... Yeah. All right. And All right, Luke. Uh, hey, uh, Iron going to sharpen iron here. Teofimo Lopez Jr., one week away from his June 19th return, was in camp with uh, Cheeto Vera hanging out. Your thoughts? I saw that. Cheeto Vera is a is a real one. He's been commenting on all his Instagram stuff. I was like, okay, Cheeto must like him. And then you see him here together. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, 15 years ago, the boxing MMA crossover that everyone just takes for granted now was an impossibility. It was West and East Berlin, uh, and now it's just, you know, it's one unified Germany. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've talked to Ruguru, uh, Regis Progre, about training with Jose Aldo in Brazil. And uh, check out this next one, Luke. Dat Nguyen, who is uh, a BKFC stalwart, sparring with Deontay Wilder, of all people, Luke. Boy, Deontay really wants a life-size opponent of uh, Tyson Fury, huh? Wow, and he's kind of putting it on him with that right hand, right? Bro, Dat Win is letting it go. I mean, he's a smaller guy, so he kind of has to, but man. Is that really Deontay, though? Is that is that really him? I feel like this video is a trap. I don't know. I got to say, That's this is more exciting than Mayweather versus Paul. Yeah, yeah, it was, Luke. It kind of it kind of was. Hey, Luke, uh, when you're the uh, biggest pay-per-view star and pound-for-pound -pound king like Canelo, you can do whatever the hell you want. You saw his response to Oscar baiting him on IG. You see that? Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> uh, the reference. 
So Oscar says, please, this guy does everything wrong. Head up when he throws hooks on his heels, flat-footed. Who else? Oh, he avoids twin Charlo. So this was Oscar commenting on a video of Canelo fighting and kind of making it seem like he avoided uh, Jamal Charlo, or sorry, Jamal Charlo back in the day. This led to a firestorm of comments. Charlo got involved. But check out Canelo's response to his former promoter there, Luke. Yeah, well, what's up with the emojis with the hammer and the knife and shit? Do me a favor and go fuck yourself. So do you remember that story about uh, Oscar was may or may not have been with a woman of the night and they used utensils on him? Uh, That's the reference, Luke. He just sent that man to hell. Oh, they hid stuff in his keister? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Luke, this is going to go somewhere, I think. Uh, If you think Canelo cares, let's advance the slide. Uh, He don't care, Luke. He just living. It's like Tom Brady with the Super Bowl trophy type of shit, right? You know what? I would like to clown him for his dancing, but he's the number one boxer on the planet, and he's rich as balls, and that's probably one of his 50 boats. So I'll and just let him live, bro. the best. But, Luke, this just came in this morning. Let's play the audio and video. Oscar, not done, bro. Fuck uh, you. Fucking all that shit. Fucking knock your ass out. Uh, <laughs> Luke, um, I don't think you can see all the words on Oscar's live IG there, but he is talking to Canelo. He's making fun of Canelo's form, and now he's essentially challenging him to a fight. We know Oscar's coming back with Triller, as ill-advised as that sounds. Um, does this end, this 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 bizarre uh, divorce with Oscar sacrificing what's left of himself for uh, for one more payday? Oscar, uh, think- Canelo not taking that, right? No, I don't think Canelo does it because he's focused on greatness. But, you know, the idea of a Canelo versus Oscar De La Hoya grudge match fight, I have to tell you, I can't tell you that that wouldn't do big business because I I definitely think that it would. Oh, dude, it would do huge business. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. While Oscar was promoting the second Canelo Triple G fight, Luke, he was talking half the time about how he planned to make a comeback and he only wanted to face the best. Sound familiar? He's still doing it. And he was like, I'll fight Golovkin. And then people were like, yo, um... Your guy Canelo's fighting Golovkin. Why are you kind of making it all about you? And then they asked him, would you fight Canelo? And Luke, Oscar, this one, he's promoting him. Oscar was like, well, uh, well, yeah, no, no. Luke, he has wanted all along to sort of take the clout from his own boy. Maybe it'll happen on like a street corner somewhere, Rocky Five style. But I feel yeah. like it's happening, Luke. Yeah, uh-huh. that's that's the way to do it. All right, let's keep it going here, Luke. Um Ice skating in the summer, shirtless, Luke, it doesn't end well. Oh, this fucko just bites the farm. Look at him. (laughs) Buys the farm, excuse me. Uh, Luke, sometimes we get skilled people on here. I don't know if this is a skill, a trick. Uh, Are are you impressed by this apple juggler biter? Tell you what, I'm not surprised by his racial complexion. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Can we advance the slide here, Manish, to this uh, apple-eating mother effer? Bro, this is me right after the show ends. I haven't eaten anything because I got bubble guts. Shocker. 
So as soon as the show is over, I'm just going to be shoving shit in my mouth like this. I mean, is that impressive, Luke? Was this you with uh, your teammates' hogs in high school? It's not even funny. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah, I don't even understand it. All right. Hey, let's keep it going. You know Luke. what I mean. Luke, anything can happen on the streets of Miami. Check this out, Luke. How much would you shit your pants if you pulled up next to this? Yeah, that's Miami. That was my my understanding of Miami yeah. as well. I had a there's great time in Miami. I really did, but there were some strange characters floating about. There's plenty of predators on the road in Miami. This guy and also the next one, Luke. What would you feel about uh, this van? I've seen vans like that parked. Remember that? Remember that? Did you? Do we ever put up the photos? Uh, I guess it'll make the dock. Someone had obviously just abandoned a car, a Mercedes, in this parking lot we were in when we went to the yes. Versace Mansion, yes. and it looked just like this. It had about four pounds of dust on it, and people had written things in it, and yeah. That's that's basically Tony Danza's uh, van from Who's the Boss, Luke? No? Okay. Uh, we'll keep yes, I guess so. Hoagie Farts. Luke, good news. Uh, Rocco Sofredi has switched careers again, Luke. Check out his handiwork. You know what? Versatile. Versatile is what I would say about this man. <laughs> uh, there and is does, a Netflix He does have a hammer him. in his dungarees. Our viewers keep telling us there's a Netflix doc on him, but I don't want to watch it. He's creepy, Luke. You know, he's pretty creepy. Yeah, All right, Luke, people have sent me this now. video and said this is the most Luke Thomas video that there ever has been. A gender reveal involving a female powerlifter in her front freaking yard, not, Luke. This is not powerlifting. This is weightlifting. There's a difference. Um, you know, that's, um, that's cute. That's great. I was hoping she would. I was. I mean, look, look, look at her using the baby to just bump the uh, the fucking weight up on the clean. Good lord, lady! Kid's gonna come out with a yeah. dent across his forehead. I mean, look. This could be your hot. This could have been your gender reveal. You did meet your wife at a shooting range, right? I didn't meet her at a shooting range. I took her to one. All right. Well, that is. There's a difference there. Yeah, very subtle difference right there. But uh, thought you would like that, Luke. Uh, speaking of weird people. I didn't have my normal list of have you seen this shit, so I improvised here last minute, Luke, but check out this devil. Okay. Is that possible? Yeah, just, do I, just send him to the moon, please, and leave him there. I mean, what? I mean, Luke, uh, you know, I, uh, that's... Um, You're dressed like the worst human on earth. <laughs> I mean, is that impressive, though? Honestly, he's so fucking weird. Can we just throw him in that trash can and leave him there? <laughs> All right, we got one more, Luke. Tell me if you think this is weirder. Um, we've all had a pee before getting on a plane, Luke. Sometimes people just don't care, though. You know what? Listen, this was me when I left Miami. You just got to <laughs> give me a break, okay? When you got to go, you got to go. And he and listen, he's conscientiously, uh, you know, monitoring where he's urinating. Look at the people in front of him. They're just getting the hell out of there, Luke. They're just like, oh, my God. Luke, uh, I will have to say, uh, in 1998, I once did this at a... Uh, Dave Matthews concert at the Meadows Music Theater in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, on on top of somebody's blanket as they were like sitting there rocking out to the music. So, you know, I'm not only the piss club president, I'm also Miles <laughs> Davis. Luke, okay, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, all right, uh, yeah, wow, all right. Guess what? They didn't uh, one like time. I one time I went to uh, when I was. I'll tell the story because it doesn't matter. A buddy of mine went to Columbia in New York, the, the Ivy League school. And I visited him one time, and they had, uh, this was like in the 90s, and they had co-ed bathrooms at that time. 
And I remember when uh, I was there partying in the dorms or whatever. Yeah, I was 19 or something till like one in the morning and I had to piss like a racehorse. So I went, there was like nine stalls and I went stall by stall and urinated on every single seat across all, <laughs> across all nine uh, all nine stalls. Just absolute urine vandalism. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we, we should go to this place in Waterbury County called Howard Johnson's Luke Hojo's. It was the stop every time and one of my good friends one time went to the men's room and he was pissed drunk and he was urinating over every inch of the room <laughs> of like the floor ceiling and the sink and the garbage can every handle on whatever and for like five seconds i was uh, like appalled that someone could be that ridiculous and disgusting then i just joined him luke i don't know what you yeah. i don't know how you got right. <laughs> i told you my friend i told you my back when there was payphones in new york my friend made the payphone call i think i told us an rsd and he had to piss like a son of a bitch. And the phone booths, they're not, they weren't booths, but they had like little windows, like partitions or whatever. And he would go in there and he was like, no, I, I didn't say buy. I said sell. You sell these stocks. Meanwhile, he's just urinating all over this phone. There's like urine streaming down from the button. He's pissing all over this thing. Oh, my God. Luke, that's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Here's the best part. I used to work in a bar, you know, I, you know as a door guy. And uh, if you think that when people urinate on like the sink or whatever, that people clean that up, they don't. So <laughs> you should, as a warning, if you go to a bar and it's kind of dingy, you should turn yeah. the water on with your elbows and then set your elbows on fire after you leave the bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we just lost whatever respectability we had left, Luke. Let's yeah. move on to our final segment here. Uh, Morning Combat at gmail.com is your home to dead wrong us on Fridays and to send in your fan subs on Wednesdays. So we've got mail. This is your shit sent to us. Enjoy. Oh, we got new graphics. All right. Uh, so, uh, you know, my computer got gassed in the rain, Luke, at Mayweather. Paul, it's another thing that well, got cursed. You should well, tell folks the truth. It's raining, and when it does, I immediately take my laptop and fold it underneath the table, which had a bit of a covering, and I just kind of waited for, to see what would happen. You just kept typing, and I'm like, dude. I was on deadline, Luke. Why do you and my wife always have the same reaction to everything? You're both trying to send me reverse to hell. I was sticking it out and doing the job for three minutes, Luke. I didn't think a couple drops would... But then it started monsooning. So anyway, yeah. my computer's dead, so I can't see and read at the same time here, Luke. But we got a submission from Arthur C. He's got two of them. He says, what's up, Luke and BBC? Took my merch 1.0 south of the border to Rosarito Beach in Baja, California, Mexico for the holiday weekend. The city features great seafood, drinks, music, and big booty Latinas. Not pictured. Sorry, Luke. Thank you, as always, for the continued coverage and content. Uh, wow, Luke. Check out Arthur. Yeah. Yeah, with the world's saddest beach. MK in Mexico. I'm down for this. I like this. I like this turn. He also has one more. He says, MK all day, nearly every day. May all your MK merch be 1.0. Two words. We out. Arthur from L.A. Nice, I think we could dude. hang with Arthur. All right, look. Oh, look at the mariachi in the back. Yeah, this is good living right here. Okay? Yeah, dude, my Colombian family, the night before we got married, they hired mariachis to come over and play for us. It was fucking great, man. I had a good time. But you, but your wife's not Mexican. She's um Colombian. No, is that a Colombian no, no, thing no, too? Yeah. Is that a South American thing? And by the way, I caught what you just did. I want you to know I caught you in real time doing what you just did. And you know what I'm talking <laughs> about, you fucking mongrel. I know what you just did. You <laughs> yeah, asswipe. That's, 
You just, I don't think that's you just won't let it go, will you? You just won't let necessary. it go. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's appropriate. But hold on. To, your, to, to, your, to answer your question in a more serious way, yes, mariachis are one hundred percent Mexican. But there's a tradition in Colombia where um, people hire them for parties. They hire them to serenade other people. Like they're they're actually in pretty wide use there. But yeah, one hundred percent Mexican. Or right. that other word you said, which you know what you did. You know what you did. Look, I'm sorry. Sometimes I mispronounce things. I'm sorry, Luke. It's, okay. it's pronounced risen. risen okay. 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 Fair. Fair. Uh, Luke, T TJS is here. He says, where's Jay? Either he's hiding in the St. <laughs> Louis area or I found a huge fan. Oh, that is that is so good. Jay. Oh, ask Jay about that. That is so good, Luke. Wow. That is good. Wow. That is good. I like that a lot. Yes. But he wouldn't drive that car Love because it. it doesn't it. let it doesn't drive you drunk home by itself. Yes, yeah. There's Jay and his. Uh, what does he drive? A Tesla with the. Uh, he puts a. Well, we can't give his secrets out. They'll pull him over, Luke. But uh, yeah, nobody yeah. drives to sleep better than Jay. Uh, Evan S has a meme for your 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 friend here, BC. What does he got? <laughs> Luke, I don't know if I fully get this. What's going on here, Luke? <laughs> You look like a Neapolitan ice cream sandwich, you fuck. <laughs> All right. Well done. Well done there. Uh, Ryan E is back. He says, love you, BC. Hey, I love all the, all the, uh, all the male fans we have on our show. Allmail.com. What does he got here? Mage, can we go full on this? I can't see shit. Oh, yeah, Luke. Come on. How about the love right there? Right? From Ryan E? You got to be down with sure that. I'm not sure I understand the joke other than we're old. Yeah, we're old and washed, but we are his world. It's MK all day, Luke. Nearly every day. And I appreciate right. that love, okay? That's all how right. we got here. Thank you, Ryan E. Uh, this is Matthew S. saying, BC dressing a little too comfortably. <laughs> Is that feature of Belfort's the legs, Luke? Yeah, the, the funny and his hog probably. The funny, the yeah. funny part about this is that BC literally wanted to do this. He was like, "Dude, we should have nothing on underneath these robes except underwear." And I'm like, "BC, I'd rather die of heat exhaustion than do that." It would have looked a lot better. We would not have been nearly as sweaty, Luke. Not nearly. Okay. I know. I brought the robe home, and my wife's like, "What are we supposed to do with this?" You look like Liberace, and it smells like speed stick. And I'm like, <laughs> I tried to dry clean it yesterday, and they looked at the label. They're like, no, this is machine wash cold only. I was like, oh. Is it really? Is that true? Yeah, that is I was going to take it to that the cleaners true. today. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Also, Luke, uh, apparently Adesanya posted a pic of himself in the Venom gear. I don't have oh, it. Oh, I, I saw this. I saw this. I saw this. But yep. he was rock. Yeah, he was rock hard with emotion. So anyone else? No, the sad that part was he wasn't, and you can still see everything. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I, I didn't look that close, Luke. All right, hey, let's keep it moving. Jason L says, "Hey guys, congratulations on the two million plus views during the Showtime media availability video. That's the Versace robe clip he's talking about. You deserve the shine. Heard Luke drop a gem about Florida being powered by meth flavored bubble gum, and knew I had to immortalize it. Make sure I get a cut on the NFT." Jason, ten pieces of sugar-free meth. Yeah, dude, they have Listerine down there. That's meth flavored. Can you believe that? I was like, wow, what a Luke, what a it, nod to the customer base. 
Do you see what it says on there? Can you blow that up again, please, Manish? It says prevents teeth. <laughs> that's so good. That's, that is. Oh, that's amazing. That's really, really well done. Really well done. Oh, boy. We got great people. We got great people. Connor F. has two of them. He says, the curse of the Versace robes culminated in the boys finally being fired, leading them to pursue new careers outside of combat sports. Luke's love of people and sense of civic duty led him to become an emergency dispatcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that is brilliant. That is, that brilliant. is if you're playing at home is, with with no audio. Luke is a nine one one operator, and somebody's calling about somebody falling off a roof. And Luke is like, "Is he white?" <laughs> and if so, I don't have time for this foolishness. You know who they are. <laughs> Here's the second one from Connor. BC took a job as a line cook in P.F. Chang's at the West Farm Shopping Mall, making it the first P.F. Chang's to serve gas station hot dogs. Here's why this is hilarious, Luke. <laughs> because I eat at that P.F. Chang's all the time at the West Farm Shopping Mall in West Hartford, Connecticut. I cannot, and they do not serve hot dogs. I cannot dogs. believe you are doing this. I cannot believe I you don't, are doing Look this. at the fan subs before. This is Mikey, okay? This is a Mikey-approved fan sub, okay? Listen, I'm not Thank saying you. it's not funny. It's funny. It's, it's extremely funny. But if we get fired, you know who to blame. Mikey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mikey, that's right. <laughs> Lopez, somebody. Yeah, all right, let's keep this rolling here. Well done, Connor. Oh, my God, it. what are you doing? Don't you uh, Oh, the, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> this, this one's from Mikey. It says, the joke is on Connor BC is the CEO of P.F. Chang's. BC, we should right, just come uh, clean this, with this shit now. Do you want to just come clean with it? This has gone too far. This has gone too far. This has gone too far. All do you right. want to just do you want to just talk this. about what happened? Do you want to do that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think I, I think at this to... point I think at this point you need to. I I uh there's these there's these guys who who uh who who love below the belt and love morning combat and they're constantly uh DMing at me and I tried to get uh, our boy BS involved and and try to uh code in a few shots hoping he would take the bait we could have a little back and forth look he is i mean the his ability to uh no sell and roll was professional it was very professional so uh i'm the the i'm the i'm the amateur and uh i wanted to spar with a real comedian one-on-one -on -one, and he he was like you're not on my level and i respect that luke i respect that's that. one right. way of telling the story all right, all right, Luke. We got one more fan submission here from uh, okay, one hundred fifteen stream on IG. Chob uh, leading us uh, to the weigh-in, uh, kindergarten cop style. Luke, that sums it up, right? Yeah. Well, he's yoked, and uh, and we just look like you know that bus was really short. You know what I mean? Like, by the way, all jokes aside, and, and look, we break balls on this podcast. Anytime yeah, we true. get to cross over with. Brendan Schaub or Josh Thompson and Big John, we're going to break balls because that's what we do. Uh, had a great time with Brendan Schaub this weekend, uh, especially at that weigh-in on Saturday, Luke. A lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs, good times back and forth. Mm. I saw that uh, they put out the Thick Boy documentary series on YouTube that that had us in it as well. So uh, all fun and games until uh, until BC gets hurt. But uh, no one's getting hurt, Luke. A lot of love I don't for think our anyone's getting hurt, but you forever. definitely you had a great time. I, uh, by the way, I didn't even know you were having a great time, but you had a great time on Saturday, did you not? Uh, you know, big fan of comedy, Luke, okay? 
Big fan I of comedy. I know you are. I know. I know it's all in good fun. All right. I, what got, else to, we got? I got to finally hang out. I got to finally hang out with Shab. You know. Yeah. Got to talk talk gains, right? Talk gains. Yeah. It was great. It was very loyal. It was very loyal in the end, Luke. Okay. I just I wanted a little back and forth there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Luke, finally here. Uh, we got great, great. Great fans. You already know that, Luke. We had a great weekend. Brendan Schaub had a great weekend um, in terms of the coverage of Mayweather Paul. Great for our careers. But somebody else had a great weekend. One of our favorite listeners, Graham Manning. Do you know him, Luke? You know Graham Manning from Cork, Ireland? Cary, Ireland? I think... Oh, they're saying they don't have it. Yeah, this is me. This is a BC add-on. Don't worry about it. Uh, There's no element to throw to. From Killarney, Cary, Ireland. Uh, His wife was sliding into my DMs, Luke but it's not what you think. This weekend was a big weekend for their family as well. Uh, Nettie Manning and Graham Manning celebrating their 10th year wedding anniversary. Also, it was Graham's birthday on the 4th. He's a father to Nick and Noah, Luke. They got a dog named Anderson Silva, and they follow our show relentlessly with passion and fierceness. How good, Luke, is Graham's wife that she would slide in and set this little shout-out up and basically say, MK has become such a part of our marriage, along with our combined love of MMA, that they wanted to shout out the patriarch of their family, Graham Manning. So, Luke, I love our our awesome and crazy fans. I mean, good God, WebSpring, WebScream created this creation and sent it to me from halfway across the world. Um, shout out to the Mannings. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend celebrating. Love our fans. Love all of you. Love Brendan Schaub. I love you, Luke Thomas, okay? It's all love on this side of the table. All right, good. I'm glad to hear it. And by the way, uh, those submissions were fucking hilarious this week. So, great job, great job. Is that it? That's it, Luke. That's all the shit I got for you right now. All right, a nice two-hour show of virtually no Paul Brother talk. Although they managed to find their way in there a little bit. But um, all right, we want to thank everyone for watching. Don't forget live chat tomorrow. We'll do a big preview of the weekend's fights for Bellator and UFC on Friday. We'll recap PFL on friday and of course we'll have a post fight show on saturday night here uh as well thumbs up on the video hit subscribe follow us on all of our social channels we'll put that up here on the screen morning combat's name is the same everywhere but as you can see slightly different names for me and bc between twitter and instagram uh as i mentioned morning combat at gmail.com is the email to go to for dead wrong for fan submissions you want to reach out to the show check it there that's the place. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go to something else. We do have merch. It's not really available to that many people, but it is nice. It is nice quality. You can go to store.sho.com. That's the best place to get it in until we have another you know, relaunch. Luke, I really, I, It would really be a nice time right now to launch the, the new merch site that was supposed to go out over the weekend. I mean, you know, yeah. we've got an you would have thought of, of, like, you, of new You would have thought of... Yeah, you would have thought like a Mayweather fight, exhibition or otherwise, would have been a great time like to generate attention for it, but you know. Like, you know, after a great soccer match or NBA fight, there's the jersey swap. Wouldn't you have loved, after we walked off the set with Brendan at the weigh-in, for me to take off the MK sweaty undershirt and pass it to him, he gives me the thick boy sweatshirt, and we're like, we just made something special, Bubba. Like, that's what I wanted to do, Luke. Can't do that shit. You can't do that shit. It's not available. Mm-mm. Not available Mm-mm. in any of the 48 states. No right Jersey now, swaps okay? for us. Not anytime soon. Yeah. Um, anything else, BC, you want to plug? What did I forget? Um, I don't know. Look, I don't know. Yeah, All right. All right. Well, with that out of the way, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Again, live chat tomorrow. Big show on Friday. Post fight show. Whole nine yards. 
That's Brian Campbell for Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports. Uh, I'm Luke Thomas. We'll talk to you soon. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.